Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is a Thursday installment brought to you by our friends at Stanley Pools. We're live on the campus of Jacksonville University as the first River City Rumble of the year commences tonight. Uh, they've got a bunch together now, a rumble here at JU tonight, a rumble at UNF coming up on Saturday. A weird way to do it, but that's the way they're doing it this year. So a lot of hoops talk. One of my favorite get-togethers of the year. I love the series. I love both programs. I love both coaches. I love both ADs. We know them all. They're all our friends, and I love it when these guys all get together. So I can't wait for this stuff, this thing to commence today. I am jacked up about a rumble. How about you? Absolutely. You know it's going to be sold out and loud in there and, and coming fresh off of a victory last night in, in men's basketball that we enjoyed. Uh, I'm excited to now get to experience it in person. I love the River House. I mean, I love being here. It's <laughs> yeah. been it's been too long. This is really good. It yeah, this is. is one of the greatest venues like in America. It's, it's awesome. You know? So, yeah, it's fantastic to be here at JU. It's going to be a great game tonight. Um, you know, it's uh, obviously two different styles, and we saw that last season, but, uh, but both teams – needing a win I mean frankly just both teams needing to get going a little bit and uh it should be uh it should be a big momentum boost to whoever wins part one of the rumble yeah prior to Saturday's sequel yeah so I, I'm really excited about this for both teams uh, you know you probably know these teams have been very even over the years JU leads the series 21-18 but have won three of the last four so that shows you how close it was before that stretch um so it was one one game separated them JU leads 21-18. to 18. The Dolphins have won three of the last four. But here's how streaky this thing has been. Scott Manzi and I were talking about this, the terrific play-by-play voice of the Dolphins. Uh, JU started by winning 12 of the first 13. So JU was 12-1 in the series at one point. Shortly thereafter, UNF won nine in a row. That, mean they, that means almost five straight years of wins over JU. Uh, both teams have had these long streaks back and forth. And right now, JU has won three of the last four, swept them last year. The big win at the end of the year, that's the one that was uh, one of the bigger routes in the series. But these two teams have been pretty evenly matched. Both in the Atlantic Sun, JU was 12-9 and nine overall, 5-5 five and five, uh, in league play. UNF 8-14 and 14 overall, 3-7 and seven in league play. We hope to uh, catch up with uh, Matthew Driscoll, Jordan Mincy both today. Um, Alex Ricker Gilbert, the JUAD, will join us today. And then next Wednesday or next Thursday, we'll be at UNF. Nick Morrow, the uh, UNF AD, will stop by. So we're excited about that. Brett Hastings is by as well today. Uh, Scott Manzi will join us at some point during the program as well. So I'm by excited. By the way, quick question. This. I don't have the stat in front of me, but when it comes to the Rumble, I would guess that the home team generally wins. Um, I don't it know. seems like I, I the dominant more team usually wins yeah. the whole. They don't have a lot of yeah. splits. I think it, it, it seems it, like they just whoever is the better team is going to win the uh, you know sweep this, yeah. this season UN, series. UN, Ju is eleven and eight versus UNF here at the Swisher Gym. Uh, Lauren Brooks is personal statistician. Scott Manzi walked that <laughs> over uh, as as you've made the point. But Hayes's point's right. Home court has not been a big factor. Who's dominant? Who, that who's, surprises who's me. Who's better that year has been a bigger factor. 
when JU's better, they win both places. When UNF's better, they win both places. If Scott's really good, he'll tell us how many sweeps there have been in this series, okay? So we'll see. He'll I mean, get we, to working yeah, on if, that. If Former Frangie Show he, producer, yeah, he if, knows if, how if, your brain if works. If he's still around, I, and I will not eat any granola bars while he's looking at it. That is <laughs> I my, that's my don't commitment. believe that, that whatsoever. Is, that is a commitment I will make. By the way, in the breaks, can we go play beach volleyball? Oh, isn't that gorgeous out there? There's I mean, some people playing when I was walking up, and I was like, can we, can we do that on the breaks? That would be fun. Sounds like fun. Get a little exercise. Yeah, so it's, it's been uh, a while since I've torn my Achilles tendon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? And I'm like you. Every two or three years, you need a good Achilles tendon tear. You know, what I mean, you don't want to go. You don't want to go too long without one. Yeah. You know, so um, so we are glad you're with us. We love coming over here. We love the love the River House. We like we. And I'm serious when I tell you this. We love these two universities. We're very proud of both of them. We're very proud. Both of those are in Jacksonville. The athletic department. We love doing basketball games. Both, which we'll continue to do. We love doing baseball games. Both. I think we're slated to do. One of them versus Florida and one of them versus Florida State in baseball, right? That is correct, sir. I, 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 Un- is that one of those might be affected by postseason basketball play, oh, if I remember be, correctly. Yeah, that's right. But, um, but, yes, as of now, certainly scheduled yeah. for those so things. We're start- so we're certainly excited about that. So we are Twelve sweeps. Twelve. twelve, twelve <laughs> how about that's that? That's a lot. Well, I told well, you it, he'd get after but, it. But it, but it, po- it, it underscores. So 12 it. sweeps. Yeah. And the se- they've played 38 games. Yeah, so, so in, yeah, so the, in, in the 19 years. Yeah. In the 19 years. So, so, so if you win tonight, so you probably win winning wrong. Saturday. Well, but, but, to, but, but this year, maybe not. This might be a year where there's not because they're, they're closer to evenly matched, at least according to the records. You don't know if they are or not, but we'll, we'll see for ourselves tonight. But your point's right. The dominant team has been winning, so we'll certainly talk about it. So a lot of hoops talking about. Let's start without burying the lead. Boy, was I wrong. I had it, uh, so, so I don't hide from it. One more time, I said 75-52. Um, uh, Tennessee last night. I thought they were going to run Florida right out of the gym uh, by 23 points. Gators beat Tennessee, and I thought Florida played about as well as they could play. What a wonderful game for the Gators. The signature win for Todd Golden, one he needed to win in a, in a very, very – we were watching it. The three of us were watching it at Island Wings for a while, and then I watched the second – we all probably watched – you had a soccer game, but we probably watched it on your phone, I would imagine. But we – Hayes and I, you went home, and I went home watched it at home. What a, what a great win for Todd Golden – and uh, over a really good, really good Tennessee team. Yeah, Florida has only beaten a, a top two ranked team six times ever. This mm-hmm. was their sixth win, and uh, Billy has four of them. Mike White had one last was year, last year yeah. against Auburn, and now Todd Golden. So that speaks to you know a program that's won two national titles, gone to a bunch of elite eights, has only done this now six times, and Todd Golden has one of the six. And this was the largest margin that Florida has ever defeated a top-two-ranked team. Just an unbelievable win for the Gators and what it does for their resume. They're up 11 spots now in the net to 41. That's ahead of North Carolina and Michigan State. Uh, So a couple of uh, blue bloods that Florida jumped over uh, last night with the big win. And just, uh, yeah, a lot of good individual performances. So Florida's now won six of seven in SEC play. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see what they can do now headed to uh, Kentucky. Frank, I guaranteed you Florida would win one of the four in the gauntlet. Guaranteed it. I didn't know who would be against. Uh, certainly did not predict that Florida's going to beat Tennessee last night. But I thought Colin Castleton would have a good game. And Tennessee, what their defense is so good at doing is protecting the perimeter. What does Florida not do very well? Shoot from the perimeter. So it really, I think, ended up being a game where 
Colin Castleton knew if I'm or if this team's going to win, it's, I'm going to have to put it on my back. And he did that. He they double teamed him in the first half, and then he was able to kind of get freer in the second half, and it was a huge victory. I think what Todd Golden has done with this team is something that Mike White could not do. Yeah, and that is make massive adjustments with his personnel. Yeah, I uh, I don't agree with that, but I do. But I do agree that he's done a great. He's done. He's done a really good job with this team. We, we again. People want to beat up Mike White. Well, when he gets to five NCAA tournaments in seven years, then, then he'll have done what Mike White did. So, but, I, but this isn't about Mike White. This is about well, how well-coached that team is. That team is – they are a really well-coached basketball team. They still can't shoot the ball. But they made a couple shots last night, and, they, and I like the fact that they took them. It was clear uh, – he said after the game that he thought it would take ten threes to win the game. They made seven. But I, they are well-coached. The one – the one play, and it was all over um, Twitter, and I read, and I quote tweeted it today. The one play toward the end of the game when Tennessee was pressing. About a minute 30 left. Is that what it was? And Florida had to inbound the ball. Six passes, never a dribble. Six passes for a layup. I mean, they had to go the length of the court and never dribble the basketball. And you see that, that, that drill. We've seen that drill they do where they, they, they can't put the ball on the ground, and you saw it play out. Uh, it is very obvious to me. They are going to be a very well-coached team. To your point, he's so long. The, the book on him is he's a really good coach. That's why he got the job. That's why he, and so they are going to be a very well-coached basketball team. I don't think anybody would debate that. The question becomes, can you get players? And I know that's a question with everybody. Um, I tweeted last night that it's, it, it, they're going to be well-coached if you can just find players. And I, and I thought, well, obviously, everybody's got that dilemma. But I, my, my point is just watching how they play. They defend now, and they really defend. They, they, they are in your face they are a tough-nosed defensive team. I think they box out when they get beat on the board. It's because they don't have any big guys. Right. You know, they play most of the game with one guy over six foot five. Yeah. Think about. I mean, most most of the game they've got Fudge is six nine, so when he plays, he's all right. Um, Kowasi Reeves is six six, but he plays small. He's a, he's not a, he's not a big guy. Everybody else is six five or under. Now Kugel plays bigger than he is, but they um, but it was a it was a really good. Hard-nosed, tough guy win last night. And here's what you have to do if you're going to play small like that because you know you're going to lose the rebounding uh, game pretty much every time out. And they lost it, I think, by six or eight last night. Tennessee had five total points off of fast break and turnovers. They had none on fast break. Florida won that 10 nothing. Yeah. Uh, and then Florida won points off of turnovers 9-5. to five. If you – only allow your opponent to score five total points in a game off of fast break and turnovers, right. you're going to win 95% of your game. And here's why that matters. Because at one point, I don't know how, how it ended up, at one point they had been out-rebounded, out-offensive rebounded, eight to one. Tennessee had eight offensive rebounds. Florida had one. They're going to lose the rebounding battle. They're, they're going to lose that against most teams because they don't have any big guys. They have Castleton. Jatobo plays a little bit, but – Fudge plays okay, but mostly it's mostly guards. They're, they're playing guards. Yeah. So if you're not going to win that, to your point, Hayes, you better win those other categories. And uh, no, I, I like how they play. I like their shots. I like the, their ball movement. They spread the floor. They share the ball. I mean, it's not like they can't get good looks. Getting good looks is coaching. Making the shots is play. There's players. You know, but if, you, if you're not getting any good looks, then you're not in the right sets and you're not calling the right plays and you're not well coached offensively. If you're getting a lot of pretty good looks, not rushed looks, and you're not making them, well, that's, you got to get better players. 
If Myron Jones starts to make what he should make from three, then I think we can start talking about them being a tournament team. Yeah, the question about Myron Jones, and he, they, you're right, you're right. That, if, one, if one guy became a, an automatic three guy, you're right. The question about Myron Jones that people have is, is he a, good, is he a really good three-point shooter that just, lost, that just hadn't made able to find it since he got to Florida? Or was the one year at Penn State a fluke? And he's really not a great shooter. He just shot. He just shot so well that one year. He became a little bit kind of you know coveted in the portal. But he's not because what I've seen is he's not a good shooter. I don't think he's a good shooter. It, it's not like it's not like he's shooting softballs or just rimming in and out. He, to me, I don't think he's a very good shooter. But you're right, Lauren. If he all of a sudden starts making them, because he made a couple last night. If he starts making them, and if or Richard starts making, if they if somebody starts to your point, I agree with this. If somebody starts making threes. They got the other stuff figured mm-hmm. out. They, they, they really do. They, they, you know, they missed a lot of bunnies early in the year, layups. They're not missing those anymore. You know? So they're, they're finishing at the rim better than they did. The, uh, and I think the five they finished with last night, that's their five. I think it's, it's uh, Lofton and Jones in the backcourt. It's Richard and um, uh, Kugel, two guys who should be two guards, playing the two forward spots, two six-foot-five in Castleton. I think that's their five. Fudge comes in and helps them some. Wacey. He's, it, upper, he barely played. Up, but he's up or down. Yeah. If, he, if he's playing well, he plays a lot. If he doesn't, they get him out of there. He's a really streaky player. He was minus 13 last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so he, not a good night for Reeves. No, when he's, all, when he's bad, he's bad. Yeah. When he's good, he's good. I thought it was important that Tennessee took the lead about midway through the second quarter, and Florida still was able to battle great back. Point. Had Florida led the whole great time, point. I mean, that's a great win. Don't get me wrong. It's still a second-ranked team. But there wasn't as much adversity. And so being able to come back, I, I thought that was massive. And, again, Colin Castleton led that kind of charge then too. Yeah, great point, by the way. The, the, that's a really good point. That if, if it goes well for you the whole game, that's one thing. If you have to face adversity – when it looks like you just blew – well, you did blow a 13-point lead mm-hmm. and you still come back and win, I agree with you. That, that is a, that's a telling point about the t- – a real telling point about the t- Did you guys see Todd Golden get pancaked in the locker room? <laughs> yes. No. When he came in to celebrate it. <laughs> that's awesome. He comes in to celebrate, and he's doing, like, the dance that coaches yeah. do. You know, he's really excited. Yeah. And I don't think it was Castleton. I think it was the guy next to Castleton. It's hard to see. Yeah. But somebody pushed him. <laughs> yeah. And it was like Elaine Benison Seinfeld. <laughs> and Todd Golden goes flying <laughs> – uh, hits the deck, right. uh, and, uh, of course, he bounced right back up, and they continued to celebrate, but he got pancaked you know in what? that locker room. I think we need to start having celebrations like that in adult life. Like, when good things happen, right, people, that kind of, we need to start celebrating. Yeah. Life needs to be celebrated the way that they celebrated in that locker Chess room bumps? last night. Chess Absolutely. We, we, we just walk Spraying of some hey, sparkles. Hey, hey, I heard you just got a new sale. Let's chest bump. There okay. we go. There we go. That's the, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, I didn't see the pancaking, but here's one thing I will tell you. The last two coaches dating back to 96, which is a long time, were two guys who liked to lift weights. Billy Donovan lifted weights. Remember that? Remember how mm-hmm. Mike White loved to lift weights? They both had biceps and chest. Here's what I can tell you. Right. I get this sense that Todd Golden does not spend similar time in the weight room that his two predecessors did. Yeah. I think Scott, I think If he Todd, does, it's lightweight. I, I think Todd's going 6'3", bucket and a half. Okay, yeah. maybe maybe in, in my, in maybe buck and a half after dinner. Yeah, you know, I, I would say when you I mean, his, he gets knocked so on his back <laughs> that his legs are basically yeah. five yeah. feet up in the air. It was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I would I would say Scott is not. I mean, I would I would say that, that that Scott Strickland doesn't lift weights the way Jeremy Foley did. I would say that Todd Golden doesn't lift weights 
the way that Billy Donovan and Mike White did. So maybe it's a whole team thing. The AD, you know, I would think it's – I would certainly say that Billy Napier doesn't lift weights the way at least Ron Zook did, okay? Yeah. So maybe it's all a turn. Maybe Who would you a, take in basketball, Todd Golden, Billy Donovan, or Mike White? Playing the game? Mm-hmm. i take Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan was the best of the three players. But they're all pretty good players. They were all, they were all good players. But Billy Donovan's the one guy that at least made an NBA roster. I'm taking Billy Donovan in anything. among those three no matter <laughs> what yeah, question yeah, yeah. you ask me, by the way. <laughs> yeah. but, the, uh, but Billy Donovan, at least, didn't he make the Knicks for a while when he was on the bench for the yeah. Knicks? Yeah. He was a better player. Yeah, he was the best player. They'd, all three, by the way, were starting point guards on their college teams. I'll so. take Todd Golden, so that means you get Mike White. Okay, okay I'll, t- I'll take Mike White. Mike White was a damn good player. Absolutely I'll take, I'll take, he was. I'll take him all day long. I'll so. just take the hype. Yeah, so, this, so there you go. All right, we've got a lot of things to talk about today on the program. Uh, but let's start. Let's talk about JU uh, and UNF. Uh, the history of these programs, what it means. We're excited to be here. We'll talk some football coming up, no question about that. We'll visit with some of the coaches uh, that, that are in this series. Got a lot of fun stuff to get to. Oh, it's an old rock Thursday. I have a feeling I know who this if is. If you haven't figured out who this is going to be, You've been in a cave for a while. <laughs> Did you see any of the videos from the show last night? I made you, sure you, you, you saw oh, I, I one had, of the videos. I'd seen the about eight by the time. Oh, okay. But okay. The, uh, Irish show fell on Twitter, had tweeted out that he went to the show last night, yeah, so, so I made sure so, Frank saw if that. You don't, and you still don't know so is he in Tampa both nights? Tampa Wednesday, Atlanta Friday. He, I thought it was tonight. It's not. Tampa Wednesday, Atlanta Friday, Orlando Sunday. And if, you, oh, okay. and if you still don't know who we're talking about, we'll take a break and you'll know soon enough. <laughs> this is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's been about eight years since that E Street band got back together. Last night they kicked it off in Tampa, Florida, USA. In the eight one threes, where they were. Do you Caroline. have any FOMO? You weren't there. What's that? Do you have any FOMO that you weren't there? Or are you good because you're going south? No, I have all kind of FOMO okay. that it wasn't there. It, like like unbelievable FOMO okay. that it wasn't there. I, I I texted one friend to quit texting me from there. <laughs> I did. I said quit texting me. Why? I said just quit. Now you wish you were going to all three. Yeah, I do. I said because I talked about going. I said quit texting me. He said, Oh, I'm going to keep texting. I said, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Quit texting me. I don't want to know. I don't. Don't. And I got. I got on Ira today. Ira Schofel, our friend from Tallahassee, showed showed that great video. I said, "Stop it. Stop it." So, um, Springsteen and, and the E Street Band. Uh, obviously, I've seen them fourteen times. I've seen them a lot. Fourteen's a lot for me. Some people say, oh, "I've seen them 40. Uh, 14. I think fourteen's a ton. Fourteen's a lot of times to see a band for me. But I've seen them fourteen times. Um, thirteen with the E Street Band, and then I, I'm counting seeing Springsteen on Broadway. I think that counts. Which was an amazing show. But it was Springsteen on Broadway was great. It was intimate. I was in the second row, so I got to get stand right in front of him, kind of fist bump uh, when he when he met with the fans afterwards. But it wasn't like a Springsteen concert, which is a religious experience, which is loud and you're partying, you're dancing, and you're jumping around. And I saw enough of the videos last night. It's pretty spectacular. So, of the you said he'll play twenty eight songs. Twenty eight. I saw the, 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 now. Who you know? They they do different stuff. They do. You need multiple set lists to be able to compare. You don't know if he's going, to, but he played twenty eight last. He played okay. last night twenty eight songs. It was like 20 songs in the main set and then an eight-song encore. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable. All right, so of the 28 songs, how many will you know every single word? All 28? Close. Okay. Close. If not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, he could sing 50 out of the, all, all the words. Okay. He, um, uh, spoiler alert if you're going, um, and again, I told you a story. Jeremy Foley has admonished Chris Harry and me and others you could never complain about him not playing a song because right. he's got too many. Yep. If, the, if the, you know, I can complain about the fact that I saw the Marshall Tucker Band in St. Augustine, 
and they didn't play Hurt in a Love Song. You got three songs, okay? <laughs> play your goddamn three songs, okay? okay see, I, I complain about that, but Springsteen, you can't complain about it. But he did not play Jungle Land or Thunder Road, which surprised me. Now, now again, I've heard Th- Jungle Land and Thunder Road double-digit times in person, but Thunder Road surprised me. Thunder Road, I would say Thunder Road is top five, six, seven staple. I would think so. I, I, I would think. If you go, if you go I mean – He's probably got 25 staples, but if you go real staples, Born to Run and Glory Days and Dancing in the Dark and Badlands, and I would think Thunder Road would be in that Born in the USA. Yeah, a little different, but okay. yeah. But I would say that would be in that, that that would be, you know, Promised Land. And I, I, would, I would think there's a staple there's a, that he would have played that. Jungle Land, I, Jungle Land I get, because Jungle Land Live is about 20 minutes uh-huh. to, to do all of it. And you also don't have Clarence doing the the sax solo in Jungle Land, which is which is what that song's built around, mm-hmm. you know. And you and I think Jake Clemens, I think Jake, the nephew, is still playing with him. I think he's the saxophonist, but but not not when when you no longer have Clarence. I understand why Jungle Land loses a little bit of its of its punch, right? Because, cause that, but that, I would expect Thunder Road to yeah, be yeah. Thunder Road Thunder Road is a song you would expect. Now who knows? He may play it Friday. He may have three or four that he switches, but he played the rest of them. He played them. I mean, he's Tenth Avenue Freeze Out obviously belongs in there. He played. He played the rest of them. So uh, he he got he got the most, and uh, and it's 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 pretty fantastic stuff. Is Rosalita in the set list? Absolutely. All right. Yeah, all, all of those are in there. Yeah, okay. yeah, He started playing that back again. So yeah, Rosalita for sure is in the set list. Have you seen him play live since it became kind of a thing to take videos of the? Concert? I haven't. I haven't. So That's, have you decided? Will you take videos or not take videos? It's, it's, it's so funny you say that because I have thought a lot about that. When I saw Billy Joel in Madison Square Garden, I took a few pictures in one video, and but it took away. It took mm-hmm. away from enjoying it, you know, because I had not, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I did one video, and then I uh, and then I and then I did a couple pictures, and then so I I don't know. I may not. I may just want to soak this one up. The uh, I think you could ask the lovely Suzanne. Yeah, to take it. some pictures and video, and I think she wouldn't feel like she's missing anything, and that way you get to enjoy every the second. Best part is we're staying at whatever that hotel is right near the arena. There, it's the closest one you can walk. It's like a five to eight minute walk. So um, or stumble or or stumble <laughs> or stumble. And and I will, uh, you know, the I can tell you if I'm watching a game, even on TV or whatever, or even if I'm in the stands at a game. I don't drink a whole lot. I'll have a couple beers, but I want to – it affects me, my ability to enjoy, enjoy a baseball game if I'm drinking too much. I'll, I'll, if I go to a Pirates game, I'll have three or four beers and a couple of sausage dogs or hot dogs. Concerts, not so much. So concerts, I, I, I will, we will have a good time. So, yeah, so we're going on, we're going on Sunday night, and, but apparently last night in Tampa he was unbelievable. So. To start that tour, I mean, absolutely, of course. Yeah, yeah. The first night, the last night, and but, every night. But it looked like it was amazing, just so, uh, I mean, I can only imagine. He, I mean, he's got that connection with his people like nobody I've ever seen. I've never seen anybody that connects with his people like Springsteen. I want to talk about JU and UNF for a second. What does the Rumble mean to you? I grew up here. I mean, you're a Florida fan. You certainly didn't grow up rooting for JU or UNF. But since you've been doing this, even since you were in your TU days, I think you understand the significance of it. I think it's great that we have, you know, two Division One teams in our city. I mean, that is, uh, you know, we, we take a lot of pride in, in having the, the Florida-Georgia game and the Gator Bowl and, and certainly the Jaguars and, uh, and having the Players' Championship. But having two Division One college basketball teams is uh, – that's rare. I mean, that, you know, at the, particularly I would say in the South, it, it, it doesn't – feel like you, you have that uh, all over the place so I think it's great I mean it's it's certainly a, a intense rivalry uh, 
but it's a clean rivalry. It's a rivalry, uh, you know, built in integrity and respect. And, um, you know, so it's like they don't like each other, but there's a healthy sportsmanship in the rivalry, which is good. So, and they're great games to watch. You know, for anybody that has never seen a rumble in person, I mean, it is absolutely worth it. So, yeah, it's it's a fun part. You take a lot of civic pride in, in having UNF and JU battle on the hard hardwood. And I'm sure a lot of people listening have been to a men's basketball rumble. I would tell you a lot of the other sports when it comes to mm-hmm. JU versus UNF are equally as intense and fun, whether it be volleyball or baseball, all those things. Like, go to all of them if you, if you want to enjoy a rivalry. I think it's huge for our city. Both programs are so well-respected. Both coaches have, one's newer, obviously, but have done a tremendous job. And they're, they've built their teams the right way. And the atmospheres in both places, obviously, completely different because Swisher's a lot smaller than UNF Arena. But you, you walk into one of those buildings for a rumble, and it's chaos, and it's so much fun. I can tell you this, having been in this business a long time, media, even before radio and newspaper, Alabama and Auburn are the teams that people care about in – in Birmingham, gigantic followings. But UAB has a charm to the people there because it's UAB. I can tell you, people in Orlando care about Florida and Florida State. Now, UCF has become big enough now that – but even before it was, there was a, Mike Bianchi still writes as much about UCF as he does anybody else. There's a charm there. My family in Pittsburgh, it's, it's Penn State and Pitt, but I can tell you Duquesne and Robert Morris, there's a magic and an, and an affection for those schools – if you live in that town. You know what I mean? And I think we have that here. There's an affection and an appreciation for these schools. Uh, my daughter graduated from UNF. I, I, I know a lot of people that, that went to JU. Um, there, 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 there's an affection and an appreciation for how hard, how freaking hard these two schools work at it. And my, my Gator Buddy fan friends give me a hard time sometimes. You love JU and UNF. Well, it's, it's a different love. What I feel about for JU and UNF is a different love than I have for the Gators. But it is, but it, it is a fondness. It's an appreciation. It's harder here. You don't have the resources. You don't. You know, you, you're expected part – of, part of having a basketball team is you're expected to go play uh, Wisconsin and Iowa and Alabama and, and Wake Forest, and you're probably going to lose those games because you don't have a fraction of the budget they have, so you're not supposed to win them. Yet you have to play them to gain the money, and you have to keep your self-esteem within your program, and then you get in your league, and this league's better than it's ever been. And you got Liberty – whose athletic budget is three times bigger than the next highest in the league. So if you start adding all that stuff up, it's a, it's a tough go. It, it, it really is. Yet these teams battle it out and they fight it out and it's important to them. So it's, it's, an, it's an important series to me. It's, Absolutely. It, it's an important watching, – uh, watching those great UNF teams, the Dallas Moore and Bo Beach and Trent Mackey and Bebe Daniels and Chris Davenport – those were great teams. That, that, was, that, was, that was a magic to that team. There was a, there was a magic to those teams. What, what Jordan Mincy looks like he's creating here now, that last year's JU team with Kevion Nolan and that game they beat Liberty here that we were here, there was a magic to that. And I, uh, and, and I think when one of these teams get it going, it, it, it's special. I, I think it really is, and I, I think it means a lot to me. So we'll talk more about that. We'll talk about the matchup, the key players coming up. We'll also talk some football and other basketball. Uh, I want to get to um, – uh, football recruiting a little bit coming up with the program. I want to talk about the Pro Bowl. What does the Pro Bowl mean? Are we tired of the Pro Bowl? Is it time to shut it down altogether? What's the value of having a, an event? They're trying desperately to figure out what that is. We'll talk about that. We're also trying to track down my friend Matthew Driscoll, who's hopefully going to join us uh, in just a bit. He's probably wrapping up practice now. 
So, um, so we're going to certainly track him down about 420. He will join us on the program. So we're certainly looking forward to that. So a lot of fun things. So when we come back, though, let's get it off football. I want to get to the Pro Bowl. Does the Pro Bowl matter and why does it matter? That comes up after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Springsteen today on Old Rock Thursday. If you missed it, Frank is going to see him in concert this coming weekend. And right now is doing an excellent air drums and air singing. Badlands. You, Badlands comes on. Nobody sits down, Carline. That's nobody. Right. Actually, nobody sits down at all. I was just about to say. But I, I bet mean, nobody sits down But, it, the, but the few that sit down, the few that might be sitting down before Badlands comes on, will never sit down again. I mean, Badlands, he, he's serious. When Badlands comes on live, yep. he's serious. Okay. I can't, like I said, I can't imagine sitting down yeah. at, for any of it. The, uh, well, well, I won't. The, uh, there's one concert in that one in Madison Square Garden that was mm-hmm. on all the DVDs. When he does Badlands and Out in the Street back to back, I lose my mind when I used to watch it on a DVD. Okay, <laughs> just so you know. Okay, so 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 we're clear. I'm excited for you. I, to me, one of the most fun parts about concerts is the buildup and yeah. getting to listen to all the songs over and over again as you drive down and, and all that stuff. So I'm excited for you. All right, when it comes to the Pro Bowl, I'm not excited at all. Does it matter anymore? No, it doesn't matter, but I think kids enjoy it, and so it, it does well. You know, it's the NFL's version, I would say, of, you know, like a Disney movie. You know, I think it's if – if you've been watching the NFL for, you know, 20, 25 years or longer, you're probably not getting anything out of it, particularly now that it's the Pro Bowl games. But, you know, I think, you know, kids enjoy seeing their favorite players do anything. Anything that involves football. So, I didn't think about that. That's a good yeah, take. So I think, uh, um, thank you. I uh, every so often, um, <laughs> and uh, so yeah. I mean, not I, all that often. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would never have thought about it okay. from a kid's perspective. But, yeah. So there you go. I, 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 you put are it on right. the Disney Channel. Yeah, yeah. But, but but that is a good take. I, here's the thing. Um, football's bigger than the NFL's the king they're bigger than everything we all know they're bigger than the other sports they're bigger than the other they're bigger than college football they're bigger than everything but they haven't figured out the all-star thing because the sport is so violent so basketball and baseball can have their they can have their all-star thing and nobody's in danger yeah it's just another game I mean you can get hurt but you're not the likeliness of injury isn't there that's a different situation with 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 football so they're trying it so first they tried to have a real all-star game and people got hurt, so people started bailing on it. Then they started having that game of touch they had, which was even worse. So now they're not playing a real game. This is, as I think, what it is. Hayes' Disney analogy is a good one for kids. I think it's football's desperately trying to do the things that basketball and baseball have been able to do with skills. Basketball has been able to have good moments with three-point shooting contests and dunk contests. Baseball has been able to have good moments with home run derbies. Those are the two things that baseball and basketball, there's not much that baseball and basketball can accomplish that football can't, but they have been able to accomplish the skill stuff. The, I mean, home run derby is pretty good. The uh, dunk contest, once upon a time, was pretty good. Uh, the three-point shooting contest, by the way, yesterday was 50-year anniversary of the Bird, uh, Jor- the, the Bird uh, Jordan McDonald's commercial when they're, they're playing. 50 years? What, 50 years? That I think can't 30 be right. years. Oh, was it 30 yeah. years? 30 years. Okay, but yeah. it was, my bad, 30. But it was the, it was the anniversary. Yeah. Of the, of the the unbelievable commercial, the McDonald's great. commercial. So so the point is, football has not been able to do that. So football now has accomplished it, and uh, are trying to accomplish it with it with a, the, This is their version of the skills contest. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it works for football. Uh, the dilemma they've got is being a Pro Bowler matters, 
but the Pro Bowl doesn't. Uh, now it'll get great ratings, and people will go to see it. And uh, and but I but I, so I don't like it. I, I I've never watched it. I mean, I've never paid attention. I think the only time I ever I remember when Brunel was in it back in the day. I watched it to see him, but I I, I think the only time I can remember trying to watch it was then. I, I just it just doesn't do it for me. I, I remember we were covering a Super Bowl in Lauderdale, and and it was in the Pro Bowl. That was the first time they had the Pro Bowl. Uh, the same weekend as the Super Bowl. They had it like the Saturday before, or maybe it was the week before, but they had it maybe it was the week before. But we were in Lauderdale, and I just and, – and some people were going to, to it, and I had no interest. I had no – would you have any interest in going to one even when they played it? No. Nah. I mean, as a kid, I would have. Yeah. Um, you know, and when I was a kid, it was more of a game. I think the it's financial game, yeah. incentive was enough to where players would play and they would play hard. But, you know, now with every – you know, all the Pro Bowl players, I mean, even if you took out the quarterbacks, the average salary's got to be eight, nine million, yeah. you know, for the guys that are in this. And they just don't need it. You know, yeah. there's nothing. It used to be, well, and it's a free trip to Hawaii. And so that was right. that was a nice incentive for players, you know, maybe to go. Now these players can go anywhere in the world that they want, you know, in the offseason right. and spend whatever money they want to spend, uh, you know, to have, and, and to have the, yeah. the greatest vacation you could ask for. So – yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it had its place, but that place is is over now. So you know they might as well create something that's going to cater to children and you know make whatever money you can still make on it. Sunday at three o'clock, I have no plans, so I'm sure that inevitably we'll turn the TV on and I'll be curious to see what Trevor Lawrence of any of the activities is going to participate in and if he's playing in that 7v7 game, all that kind of stuff. So I'll be helping their ratings. But as far as, like, looking forward to it, I would rather watch the Senior Bowl than I would the Pro Bowl games. Oh, me too. Because the Senior Bowl, you see – no one's a real football game. And you actually see guys who may impact the league that we love so much. So, so no, I, that, 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 is, that is way different. Jacksonville, once, I think I've, I've told you guys this before. Jacksonville, once upon a time, way back when, when the AFL and the NFL had not yet merged – for a few years, hosted the AFL All-Star Games. You know that? And, and, and so, so the, the equivalent of the Pro Bowl, the AFL, remember the old AFL, and the AFL wasn't just like the ABA, which the NBA, what, what they, they, they merged. Merged with just a yeah. few teams. It was right. the Nuggets, the San Antonio Spurs. There weren't a lot of teams. The there, Flint Tropics. <laughs> the Flint Tropics. Because they finished in fourth place. Yes, yes they did. Yes, they did. Um, but but the AFL was legit. I mean, almost all the AFL teams became NFL teams, like all of them. And the, in fact, when they merged, the three teams that went from the NFL to the AFC, can you name them? I cannot. Can you name them? I have no idea. I want to say Steelers, Browns, Colts. I think the Steelers, Browns, and Colts, to give balance, all went from the NFL – to the uh, which became the NFC to the AFC. I think it was the Steelers, Browns, and Colts. The last flip I remember is the Seahawks going AFC to NFC. That's right, and that's the most recent one. But uh, but I when I, was that? When they brought in the Texans, I think. Yeah, that's right. Not okay. long ago. Not that long ago. But I'm telling you, the, the, the Browns, the Colts, and the Steelers were old time NFL teams, and they all went over to the AFC to balance out. The, the two the conference, but the bottom line is it was 2002, by the way. Okay, but the uh, is that right? so but, 20 years ago? Yeah. So, but this when I when I'm talking about was 69. Okay, but I, but I will tell you that All Star Game, unless I'm losing my mind, was here two or three years. 
Jacksonville's had the Senior Bowl. I mean, it's amazing the the events that you know Jacksonville has hosted, and uh, yeah, that, that that is interesting. And and it was a real game. I mean, that yeah. was, that, that was the cool. I mean, well, again, was, back then the players weren't making unbelievable money. So if the league was willing to say, hey, the winner will get each player will get fifty thousand on the winning team, and the losing team will get twenty thousand. That was a lot playing for a significant amount of money for the players. Right. And, and if the game mattered like baseball does, the, the all-star game in baseball, where it actually means something, then I think they could convince people to actually want to go to the Pro Bowl. But it's also tricky because, like, Patrick Mahomes doesn't get to go, yeah. even though he, in theory, may enjoy it. But it, because of when it's positioned. I'm going to find, I'm gonna figure, I'm gonna find was, out how many years there is. It, the thing now is you're playing 17 games after you went through training camp. The last thing any of these guys yeah. want is to take another hit. I right. mean, That's right. you know, it's just and, – and the, the clubs don't want it. You know, they, they don't want the wear and tear. I mean, again, it didn't happen in a Pro Bowl game, but Robert Edwards got injured in a Pro Bowl event playing beach volleyball, blew out his knee, was never really the same guy. You just don't want to see that. You don't want to see one of the stars of the game, mm-hmm. you know, suffer a, a, you know, a serious injury in an exhibition. And, again, if, if the injury occurs in February, you're probably missing the next season. So it's just not worth it. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll be interested in seeing what, what these games look like and, and what the reception is. And certainly I hope Trevor does well. I hope Jamal Agnew does well in, in whatever it is. I still think there's value in, in Trevor going just to be around other great players because, again, if Trevor continues to improve, there will – and the team improves, the team keeps winning, uh, the Jaguars will become a place where it's like, I want to go play with that guy. Players will tell their agent, mm-hmm. just if, as long as Jacksonville is com- somewhat competitive yeah. with our top offer, I want to go there because I want to play with Trevor Lawrence and I want to I ring chase. Yeah, being a pro so bowler it's, still it's, matters. Yeah, it's great for Trevor to be able to be around those guys, particularly the, the guys around his age. Uh, you know, because those are the guys that are going to be leading the NFL over the next decade. Yeah, being a pro bowler still matters, even if the game didn't. Let me let me pull up what I was. You found it too, Lauren, right? The the AFL champion All Star. Let me this part of the, the legend of Jacksonville. I'm serious about the part of the legend of Jacksonville. Uh, so in the fan, one of the reasons we got a team. So the AFL All Star game started in '61. They played it through '69. Okay, those ten years or ninety, however many years. Ago. Um, first one was in San Diego, 20,000 attended. That was 61. The next one was in San Diego, 27,000. The next one in San Diego, 20,000. They said, screw that, we're leaving. They go to Houston. Houston is They're 60- not the only ones who left San Diego. Right, right. Houston in 64, 15,000. Um, the next year in Houston, 35,000. They had a good year. Then they go to Oakland, 1966, 18,000. Screw that. They go to Jacksonville, 40,000. In 1967, they came back the next year, 41,000. And then, then they left, went back to Houston for some reason before they merged in 30,000. So Jacksonville is the only city in those 10 years that did over 40,000. I mean, Jacksonville's sick for football. And by the way, Joe Namath, Len Dawson, those are the guys who play. I mean, so it was, it was a big deal here. That's awesome. I went, I went one of the two years. My dad took me one of the two years. I don't nice. have no idea how we got tickets, but I, I remember going. It won, it, it, we never got to go to many games, you know. No one, we didn't have a lot of money. Number two, there weren't many games around here. But I remember one of those two years we went and Joe Namath was out there. I remember thinking – I'm sitting in a stadium watching freaking Joe Namath. That was pretty cool as, as, cool as a little kid, you know. So, so uh, yeah, I agree with you. Being a pro bowler matters. The game doesn't matter. Uh, being a pro bowler does. Let's take a break. 
When we come back, back to basketball. Jordan Menzi, the outstanding basketball coach of JU, joins us. That's next. And in our final, our following segment, uh, Matthew Driscoll, the UNF coach, joins us by phone. All that coming up. Stay with us. Hey, welcome back to the program. Glad you're with us. Frank Frangie along with Hayes Carline and Lauren Brooks. And what a pleasure to welcome in our friend Jordan Mincy, the outstanding basketball coach at JU. How you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. Thanks good, for having me. Good to see you. Good to you see excited? you. Excited? We get all, we get all juiced up about this rumble. I mean, the city does, your, your students do. How about you? Do you sleep better or worse the night before? Is it the same old thing for you? What is it like? <laughs> you know, I think it's a mix. You know, um, obviously you're eager to get out there and play. Yeah. Um, and, and it's sight. You know, it's a rivalry. You know, yeah. being able to um, play in this rivalry last year, I got my first taste of it my first year. It's, it's an awesome rivalry to be a part of. But at the same time, you know, you got a little nervousness just trying to see, you know, how your guys are going to act to, you know, different factors outside of just X and O's, you know. Your friends and, the, and family in the stands, you know, yeah. it's a packed crowd, it's a gym. Are those guys going to have the same mental focus that they have when they're playing and practicing every day? Or is it going to change when, you know, you got a bunch of your f- friends and family in the stands? And so um, I get a little nervous about those things. You told us an interesting story last year, Jordan, that how, uh, and how much you and Matthew Driscoll respect each other. I know you went to breakfast before the season because he's a good dude and you're, you're a good dude. But then you got to play against each other. And, and obviously you guys dominated last year. So is it – you, you, I got to believe you know him better than you do some of these coaches, right? I do. You know, I've known him for a long time, um, especially when I first got into business. He's one of the guys that, you know, you, you, you often look up to, mm-hmm. um, more so in a, in a mentor standpoint. You know, he's, he's had success at, at UNF, and he's done a great job there. And so being able to pick his brain, especially as an assistant coach at the University of Florida, was also always an uh, awesome experience for me. And then, um, you know, it was an honor to, to, to be able to compete, you know, on the same sideline against him. And so um, just being able to, you know, get our teams ready to go, prepare. I know we both have a mutual respect for one another, but at the same time, um, us both being competitors, we both want to win the game. Jordan, how do you feel like your team is playing right now coming off the, the win over Central Arkansas? You know, what I thought for Central Arkansas was the first time we actually played like a team. You know, we've had some games where we've been successful, but if you look at our record, you know, a lot of times we're up and down. And so um, you can say that a lot of that has to do with, you know, some injuries we've had, um, different guys being in and out the lineup with sickness. But at the same time, you know, our motto is, you know, got to have it. And, um, you know, we got to have – you got to have wins. You got to show up every day. You got to be about the right things in life. And so um, we're just trying to have a level of consistency. We felt like last time, and I believe you guys were here, we were on a roll where we had won, I think, six and straight. And so I keep telling our guys, when are we going to make our run? When are we going to start to get um, a couple wins in a row? Jordan, when it comes to one of your strengths, certainly it's going to be perimeter defense. Your team is really good, 18th in the country, perimeter defense. UNF wants to shoot the three. How does that all shake out? You know what? Um, a lot of times it, it depends on the offense. I know it's bad to say that. Sometimes the offensive guy, um, a lot of times they may be better than our defense. And if those guys are making shots, it makes our defense look bad. But um, if we do a great job, we're active on the perimeter, we have active hands, and we're extremely physical, a lot of times we can, um, you know, distract a shooters. And so – um, I think a lot of times it comes down to who really wants it more, who's more aggressive in their style of play. And, um, you know, like I said, we're 18th, but I think we should um, probably be like top 10 if we played the way we're supposed to play. A lot of games we've had lapses, um, especially the last 10 minutes of the game. Jordan, have you been able to find enough shot making? That's the thing today. Uh, your team does, like Lawrence, your team plays great defense. But it's hard for, t- to, for guys to make shots. Kevion makes shots. But have you found anybody else that you're comfortable that's going to make shots for you? Well, uh, two guys that we recruited in, Dylan O'Hearn and then also Jarius Cook, 
those guys were brought in to necessarily make shots. And at times you've seen that they've been very streaky at times. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, um, like last game, you know, Dylan O'Hearn, he, uh, he pours in 11 or 13 points. He hits two threes. Jared Cook hits two threes last game. And so when you see those games where we're able to score a little bit better, it's when those guys are making shots. And so for us, just being able to challenge them to continuously get reps in the gym, uh, to be on top of their game and to, like I said, be mentally focused and not necessarily worry about external factors, a lot of times uh, it affects our overall shooting performance. You guys are, are really in a log jam in fifth right now yes. in the league, a five-way tie for fifth uh, with 10 games out. Do, is it too early to emphasize that to the players in terms of, look, there's only 10 teams that are going to make this tournament, and you guys certainly have the potential to maybe get as high as three. Do you bring that into the discussion yet with, with your guys? Well, we, we started from day one. You know, we talk about, you know, we felt like at Florida Gulf Coast, we really let a win get away from us. And so being able to come off this road trip, we, we split. You know, we went into the road trip thinking that we were going to go 2-0. Um, obviously, we got out really big on, on UNA. They, they called a timeout. They did a great job of adjusting out of timeout. And we felt like even though we had a one-point lead going into halftime, we really allowed for our, our momentum to slip. And so – being able to, you know, have focus, understand where you are in those rankings, um, it allows for us, our guys to still stay hungry, still stay motivated, and understand that, look, everything that we want is right in front of us. We had the opportunity uh, to take it game by game, but at the same time, like I spoke on just a minute ago, if we can run off a couple wins, we feel like we'll be right there in the hunt. And ultimately, at the end of the year, we're playing our best version of our basketball. And, and being connected, we feel like we got a chance to win this thing. This is a non-JU question, but what has it been like to watch Keontae Johnson be able to play this season? Man, you know what? That's a great question. It's um, He's an awesome dude, man. Like, uh, I'm trying to get emotional. So, like, Keontae Johnson is, is an unbelievable story, right? You talk about a young man who he literally – he has a – you talk about playing your heart out. He's the guy that I reference a lot of times with our guys. Every time he plays basketball, he, he puts himself at risk for something that he loves so much. And so – if he's not an example, if he's not somebody you can get behind, if he's not somebody that motivates you in every aspect of your life, then why do you play the game of basketball? Why do you coach the game of basketball? And so um, I, I literally talked to him two mornings ago. I talked to his mom and his father. Uh, Marie is all the time. They're my, they're my guys. Uh, and woman. They, they my guys and, and woman. Because uh, I know his mom, she hard on me. But uh, <laughs> she's extremely hard on me, man. Nick, I know you hear this. So I'm sorry. So. But uh, I love him to death. He's an unbelievable young man. And, and I'm just – Grateful to have the opportunity to coach him. And at the same time, just I love that he's living out his dream every day. Yeah, it's funny, Jordan. We were watching the Kent the, with the K-State-Florida game. And there's a lot of times when a guy transfers out and you play against your old team. We see that all the time. But, man, there's a closeness between those dudes. You, you could sense it. You could sense it through the dang TV, couldn't you? The yes. closeness between not just Castleton, but a lot of those guys, Duke. God, he, the, the hug on Duke. I mean, that was cool stuff, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. You know, I remember we got done playing um, at Central Arkansas. It was an early game. And yeah. so, we, you know, I was we on the bus. I remember driving over to Little Rock. And the whole time I'm in a group chat with some of our, our, our former coaches, you know, guys yeah. like Coach Darius Nichols, head coach Rafford, Dusty May, uh, Florida Atlantic. And so while we're sitting there, mm. everybody's like, hey, hustle up. We, we got to watch Keontae versus Florida. And just to be able to see a guy who, you know, he wants to win because that's the type of guy he is, that's the type of character he has. But at the same time, you can know it feels like every time he scored a bucket, it was painful for him because yeah. he loved the other team and the guy so much. And so I know for him, he was just – and this is what he said – he was just wanting to get that game over with. Yeah, I get you it. know, he's just trying to get through it, get the game over with. Obviously, he wanted to win for the guys he plays with, but he has so much respect for the University of Florida and what it did to his life. Um, ultimately, ultimately, they saved his life. And so um, that guy, like I said, it's an unbelievable story. 
How good is this league this year? Because you look at the A-Sun and, and Liberty, and it, just, it seems – and there's just more teams. What, what's the challenge, and what's the challenge of seeing these guys tonight and then having to come back Saturday and go to their house? Well, I think it speaks to, you know, the talent and, and also the coaches in this league. It's unbelievably uh, coach uh, teams are, are extremely coached well, um, and, and you have a, a good grasp on players that have played here. You know, UNF, a lot of those guys have been there for a long time. And so you look at a, a team like Kennesaw State, same thing, same roster. Guys have been running their offense and defensive schemes for a long time. And so um, every night is a challenge. Um, a lot of times you're going down to the buzzer to try to win games. And so um, you, you never go into a game thinking, you know what, this is going to be a cakewalk. I'm going to be able to go in here, we're going to win and, and come out with a victory. Because if you do that, a lot of times you're going to be on the, the losing end of it. And so, um, you know, we know the last four teams, um, based on record, you're not allowed to get into the tournament. And so, I mean, that's a scary sight, especially when you're a coach and you talk about a log jam. Anybody can have any type of slippage within one of these two weeks and you're out of it. And so for us, you, it's a challenge as a staff to continuously have everybody locked in, focused, and doing what they need to do game by game. Obviously, it used to always be recruiting is so important, but now there's the transfer portal. What percentage would you say is it recruiting versus transfer portal to, to add to your team? I think the, the transfer portal can be good and at the same time can be harmful as well. Just from the standpoint of, yes, you have an influx of talent right away. You can change your talent level right away. But the thing that I've also assessed this year and I told our staff and one of our recruiting meetings lately you really can't assess culture when it comes to the transfer portal. You know, you want a certain type of young man to come into your program, high character, um, being able to have a, a work ethic um, that matches yours and, and what you want your team to resemble. And so when you have that short recruiting span, which is probably about a month, to get that young man to commit to your institution, um, a lot of times you don't really get to, to do the character check that you've done in the past, being able to recruit a young man for one or two years. And so for us, a lot of times it's a gamble. Um, I think it worked out for us um, early on, but at the same time, um, we definitely are taking the pros and the cons from, the, from recruiting the transfer portal. Jordan Mincy with the JU coach, or a couple things here. Uh, number one, how do you defend Hendrickson? He's 6'7", he's got great range. How do you, how do you play him? A lot of times, and I know this is going to sound, sound crazy when I say this, um, the way you defend them, you defend the people around them. A lot of times you're not going to necessarily be able to stop him. You know, if you've seen he's had multiple games with 30 points this year. Mm -hmm. And so even when he's going off, they've still been able to – People teams have still been able to beat them. And so I say to myself, you know, this guy's going to score. Whether it's inside, outside, mid-range, pull-up jumper, he's over right, both right and left shoulder. He's extremely intelligent with what he does. But if he's scoring, what are the other guys doing? And so if he's taking the bulk of the shots, then that means those other guys are, are being froze out. And so in my mindset, um, you know, let him go for 30. And I know it's crazy to say that from a defensive coach, but at the same time when you watch the film and you look at the stats, I think they match up. All right. And the second question, tell me about Kevion. Is he healthy? Is he going to try and give it a go? Is that private information? I mean, wh 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 where is he? <laughs> He's a game time to sit down. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. Kevion Nolan will play tonight. He going to play? Yeah, he going to play. He going to play. You know what? Um, I should have I should have kept him out a couple games ago. He's just had so much wear and tear on him. And he's a young man who's played so many years of college basketball. And so he wants to play 40 minutes a night. He does. And a lot of times when you're at that point guard position and then I'm trying to tell him to be, you know, start the offense, but then you're the head of the snake when it comes to defense. Yeah. It's just so much on him. And so I got to do a better job from a coaching standpoint, especially down the stretch of moderating his, his overall minutes and wear and tear. Final thing as you get into this game. One of the things, you had this extraordinary season last year and you're, and, you're, and you're on your way to a good finish this year, I believe that. 
you have guys that play. Osai Sifo plays hard, man. He, <laughs> I mean, I get tired watching him, and he plays hard. I, I think Jordan Davis plays hard. I think Yasi plays hard. When you have all these new guys, not just you, everybody, this guy comes from this school, this guy comes from that school, is it hard to get guys to, to buy into that kind of work ethic? Is, is, is that a hard thing? It is at times, and that's kind of what I talked about as far as the transfer portal. Yeah. You know, when you have a certain identity that you want your program to resemble, you know, you bring these guys in, and they've been at those, you know, their, their previous institution, whether it's one or two or three years, and so they're used to another culture. And so they look at us from, you know, we're talking about it probably a month ago in practice, we're talking about just our summer routine. And guys, they come in, they're like, man, what is this? What are, what are y'all doing? This is, like, crazy. Like, we, we go this hard. Y'all have a schedule from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep at night? It's like, yeah, you have to make sure that you're organized, you have a certain level of accountability, and you have to max out in every aspect of your life. It ain't just playing basketball. It's like, ultimately, you have to be a good person when you leave here. And so – um, a lot of times that's challenging for guys because they just want to play basketball. And if you just want to play basketball, you're not going to be successful at JU. Good stuff. Jordan Mincy, the JU basketball coach. We love the Rumble. We love it. We're all excited. We love being, <laughs> We love the River House. We love all this. So, hey, man, thanks for stopping by. Uh, good luck tonight. I appreciate you guys. Y'all the best. Thank you. Jordan Mincy, the head best basketball coach at JU. We'll take a break. When we come back, Matthew Driscoll joins us by phone, the UNF coach, after this. So stay with us. Welcome out of the program. Glad you're with us. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlyon, and Lauren Brooks with you. Andrew Gibson back in World Headquarters. We've got a rumble tonight, and uh, we're sure excited about that. Haven't had one of those uh, since last year. Got two of a bunch together. Uh, our friend Matthew Driscoll is the terrific basketball coach at UNF. Joins us now by phone. Matthew, how are you, man? Good to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm physically, I'm great, but mentally, I'm I'm miserable. I I, I would say this to you, Frank, and I and I I've been waiting to do this. And I really wanted to I wanted to do it during this week, but I'm happy for all y'all, but I'm really, really happy for you. I know you've been calling them since I think 2014 or something like that. That's right. And um, to hear the best part of you and what you do when the Jaguars are playing is when they play the cuts throughout the week. And especially after they flip the script as, of course, I predicted during our media days on November 2nd. I loved your voice and the way in which the city of Jacksonville was coming out and your pride was just oozing in everything that you were saying. And I know everybody's got a show and, you know, Hayes got a podcast and of course Helmet and Heels is one of my favorites. And, but to hear your voice and to hear you so proudly, I know, you know, we, 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 we had, we had one good season in between those that you started, but you really, really enjoyed your year. Matthew, that's really kind of you, man, and to, to know that much about it. And I lose my mind. I, I am very proud of it. I'm, I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of a knucklehead when I get going on there, but it's, it's nice of you to notice that. And Thank you, man. That's very kind of you. I mean that very sincerely. We've been friends a long time, and I appreciate those comments. And, and yeah, I go insane, Matthew. I'm, I'm kind of psycho guy. You know, you got to be psycho guy sometimes in the world, so I appreciate well, you. Well, yeah. hey, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes that's good, and sometimes it, it just depends in this <laughs> environment and this climate. But, uh, you know, last year – you know, obviously this is a different kind of a game because it's it's back-to-back. We haven't done this since COVID, and we've never done it, you know, before COVID. And, of course, it also means a lot, especially where both of us sit, us, of course, a little bit less and, and them, of course, a little bit higher, but, but not quite that much. And I know they were picked second and we were picked fifth in the preseason, and I've said all along what kind of a league it is, but what I didn't anticipate – and I'm not sure exactly 
where I, I missed the boat on this. The great thing is in February, we're six and two last year and two years ago, we were seven and one. So I'm riding on those statistics and I'm looking at those numbers and giving me the opportunity, the optimism of where I am. And I just didn't think that we would go from first last year, you know, they were, and we were the number one defensive team, physical uh, field goal defense last year. And, and this year we find ourselves currently last and um, the same team coming back and the same uh, this, that, and the other. So as we fifth in the country preseason and three pointers allowed and always one of the best in the country and usually number one or two in the league, we found ourselves shortchanging that this year and giving up almost a little over nine a game, which is really, really, really our championship season in 1920, we gave up less than four a game. And so uh, there's some things that we looked at. There's some things that we're trying to adjust. It's not over yet, but in the same breath, that sand is coming out of the glass because I'm not sure if you're aware, only 10 teams go to the tournament out of the 14. So, you know, we've got to make some moves and we've got to make some moves uh, quickly. And it obviously would start tonight at Swisher. Uh, offensively, you got to lie. I mean, Hendrickson is so good. I mean, Placier is too, but – Carter's got to be, even with those great teams, even the great teams, the Bo Beach, the Mackey, Bay Bay, Davenport, uh, uh, Dallas teams. He's Garrett one, Sam, he's really, what did it mean yeah, you? Yeah, Don't forget yeah, those guys. <laughs> and, uh, but, 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 dude, this guy's really good. This guy could fit right in with those teams. Don't you think? Do you feel that way? So he led us in scoring our last championship team as a sophomore. Yeah. And he was the leading scorer on that team. And people don't realize, you know, Garrett Sams is all decade. Wajid Aminu is all time in a lot of categories. Should be all decade. Um, Yvonne Gondea Rosa was the only player in the history of the A Sun to lead the league in assists for three straight years. And JT Escobar was the best three point shooter. And Carter Hendrickson led us in scoring, and people don't realize that. The thing he's done, Frank, is I think he put way too much pressure on himself. And he really was playing outside of himself and really trying to almost will the team and put me on my back and I'll, you know, and what's happened is, I don't know if you saw this statistic, but in the month of January, he was the third most efficient player in the country. And when you think about that at his size, like you said, obviously good eye by you. When you think about those numbers at his size, he is really, really, really special because he's really gotten back to his roots and getting into the post, getting fouled, making stationary threes and doing those two things. And the guy we got to get going is, is Jerry Zicklin. He had an all-conference preseason type of uh, um, uh, numbers, and, and it just hasn't bode well for him yet in the 10 games we've played. And he's getting very similar shots, and he's getting very similar opportunities. And, and so we really, you know, you said about Jose. I mean, Jose and Carter were preseason all-league players. There was only two teams in the league that had – two preseason all-league players, and we were one of them. So we, we've got to get Jarius going as well. Hey, Coach Driscoll, one of my favorite things in the world of basketball is a good block shot. How is Jaden Parker doing it at the rim? You know, 22 right now, and he's second in the league. And I think you would know this because I think a lot of people that understand athletics know that they probably alter twice as many as they block. And the thing that his numbers are a little bit down, too, is he's just not scoring around the rim like he was, and he's not reading behind the ball the same as he was last year. But his blocks are a little bit more, not a ton, but a little bit more than they were. So he, 
he really has a gift. He's got a, a very, very unique set, much like Hall of Famer Bebe Daniels and, of course, all-league player Wajid Aminu. Um, those two guys were defensive players of the year. They had that unique ability. He just, I think for him, we really need him to come around on the offensive end. Matthew, what concerns you the most about J.U.? That I think first and foremost, if you ask anybody in our league about them, you know, I know they're not, you know, probably where, you know, coach would want them to be right now. But the thing that when you play against them, the number one thing you've got to be prepared for is the physicality of the game. And it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a fight. I mean, it's literally going to be a fight every single possession from the time the ball gets thrown up. And that physicality obviously can wear on you at home last year. Um, it was a heck of a game. Obviously, we missed a shot at the buzzer to, to tie it or win it, I don't, whatever it was. And, and so that, that's the one thing. And then the other one is you guys have seen it since you've been here. And, and you know, Kevion has been one of those guys in his career where he's made, you know, really big shots. If you remember the COVID year, um, you know, we split with him and we had the game, a chance to win the game, the first game. And he hit that huge, like, 27-foot three. So, you know, we're 14-6 and six the last 20, but like everything else in life, what have you done for me lately? And lost them both last year. And, and these, are, these are so critical because the standings are so critical. And uh, for them, they're a little bit, you know, closer to home court advantage. And for us, you know, trying to get into those 10. So it's um, these two games, Thursday, and then, of course, flipping it to Saturday, they're very, very, very critical to where we are right now. Matthew, does this game, I asked Jordan the same question. Uh, obviously, the game doesn't count any more than a Gulf Coast or a Liberty game, yet to us in the city, it feels like it does. It's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. You, your players know each other. You and Jordan have that great respect for each other. What about you? What about your players? Do you get a little extra juice when you're playing these guys? You know, I would say yes from a player standpoint. I think it's, you know, their environment has gotten really good. Our environment has always been really good, even – our first year, I mean, man, we had like 4,200 people or something like that at the original home game that I ever coached against them. So I would say because of those two atmospheres in and of itself, um, I think some other schools, I think Florida Gulf Coast has become a pretty good, um, um, you know, Liberty has become a pretty good one as well too. But, but yes, 100%. I think the players are definitely amped in, in a different way um, just because of the way, you know, this game presents itself. As a coach, though, you know, for, for me, I, you know, I look at things on a completely different spectrum. <laughs> and, and, and those in-league games, are, they're so, so critical. So, for me, it's, it's just like a Liberty game or just like a Lipscomb game or whatever game you want to number it. Um, it's, the number, it's the next one on the schedule. And it's, it's really, really important, Frank. I mean, it's, it's super, super important. People all over Jacksonville are concerned about you because the price of eggs has dramatically increased. <laughs> How has that affected you? So it's interesting you say that. So, and, and I'm going to tell you why it's interesting you say that. I actually have kind of cut back on my egg intake. Now, I still just had them. I still do them on game days, but I have. What's interesting is my son actually lives next to a farm and he gets fresh eggs from a chicken. So I actually, actually, uh, yeah, that's crazy, but I actually have a little bit of a, of of a way to get some. So because of that, um, I've actually uh, beaten the system, so to speak. 
Matthew, did you you reference the the sensational Februarys you guys have had the last two years? How do you message that to this team? Do you show them clips of of the previous two, or how, how does that manifest wow. itself? Wow, what what a, what a sweet that's a, that's a super question, man. So, you know, sometimes when you have an older group, you you've kind of gone through some of those gauntlets along the way, and you've gone through some of those different scenarios or things that you've said or things that you've shared or yada, yada, yada. And the one thing we always have talked about, and one of our managers actually is the one that kind of verbalized it at practice the other day while the guys were doing yoga. I had him do it out loud. And February's always been the dog days, like Georgia spells it. And a disciplined attitude wins games. And of course, that COVID year, we didn't have any home games. So if you dismiss that in the last two years, we, you know, 13 and three. And, and so we kind of talk about that. We kind of talk about, you know, kind of what it looked like last year. If you remember, we went 10 and we went seven and three, our last 10 and six and two, the second half of the season. And this group flipped the script with Jose and Carter on the bench, both injured. So you kind of say to yourself as a coach, like, what do I really need to show them? They actually have been through it. They've been through it. They've been through it. And they understand kind of what's going on. Um, um, so well, that's a really good question. And, and I, in the past, I have shown a lot of stuff. But with this group, it's been a lot more conversation. Well, this is February, and that is when UNF makes its run. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for spending some time. Can't wait to see you tonight. Uh, I don't know that I love the two games in three days. I think I like you guys being them. What do you like it, or do you like it better the other way? Do you, do you have a opinion think, on that? I, I think I, I think Wednesday Saturday would have been a lot better. Um, I, I think it would have probably bode well uh, for different things that are going on. Obviously, our women play at home tonight, so that obviously creates a separation in and of itself. Um, you know, so I, I, I would have liked to seen it split that way. Um, you know, in the past, you know, I always liked it on, I don't know about you, but I always liked it on those Friday nights. I thought they were really, really good oh, crowds. Absolutely. If you remember, we used to have those Friday night games and man, they were, they were good. They, 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 they were really, really, really good and electrified. So yeah, I, I you know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm whatever. I'm, I'm fitty fitty. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's going to be – the good thing is the Rumble's here and we're excited about it. Matthew, thanks for spending some time. Look forward to seeing you tonight, man. Good luck. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you all. All right, Matthew Driscoll, one of the all-time good guys. You know, I figured out the mistake we've been making. Okay. The mistake uh, – there's a, there's a programming mistake, and it's time we rectify that mistake. Okay. And I'm not kidding when I say this. Having him on only during basketball season is a dang mistake. Absolutely. I'm just telling. I'm just telling you. It is. I mean, it's a mis- I'm not. And I'm not. And you're kidding. not saying that because he was praising you. No. no, no, no. Well, that was very nice of the right. things he said. But I mean, thank you. He's a so wonderful guy. So much energy. Guy. I mean, I want to talk football with him. Mm-hmm. I want to talk baseball and life with him and music with him and eggs with him. I mean, I mean, I'm not kidding about that. It's it's a mistake that we. Shame on me, and I'm going to rectify that mistake. I'm, I'm making a proclamation now. So Matthew like Disco, really one of the all-time good guys. Let's take a break. Uh, Brett Hastings joins us after this. He's got an interesting take. Sports and Courts is next, so stay with us. Now time for Sports and Courts, legal issues in the sports world with Brett Hastings from the Hastings Injury Law Firm. Hit back with Hastings. Brett Hastings joins us now as we uh, embark on Sports and Courts live from the Jacksonville University campus, the Riverhouse here at JU. Brett, how you doing, buddy? 
Doing great. Beautiful hey, day. Um, oh, my God. It's a beautiful day. No question about it. Hey, um, you, you, there's an interesting topic. We talked all about NIL, NIL, NIL. Where do jersey sales fall in this? Um, I mean, is that, I mean, when this whole thing started, it was all about Chris Weber saw the number four jersey that he wore at Michigan making people all kind of money, and he didn't have any. Is, isn't that still a, a, a kind of a foundation for this thing? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people thought when name, image, and likeness was happening, right, in 2021, that, hey, you know, one of the biggest sources of income for the athletes would come from their jersey sales. Um, well, all of a sudden, here comes name, image, and likeness, and there really wasn't a structure put into place, right, to um, be able to get it so that the, these athletes can monetize that, right? Because what happens is if if what you're wanting, right, is you want that Frank Frangie vintage Inglewood jersey, right, you'd have to go to Inglewood because there's licensing rights with Inglewood, and then there would be with you as the individual. Or if it were Tim Tebow, right, you, you're going to have to make sure you get that taken care of with Tim Tebow before you write Tebow on the back of that jersey, and then you're also going to have to do it with the University of Florida. And so for years, there's been collegiate licensing, right? There's been a big, massive deal so that people could say, hey, here's what you pay. This is the way um, the money's come back. And they essentially have a process and a contract to make sure that money flows back to the universities when people use the logo and, you know, so that there are some standards to certify that the people that are going out and, you know, making Florida gear, Florida State gear, or Georgia gear are doing it in a certain way. Well, there wasn't anything out there for all the individual uh, athletes. They would have to go and get their own deals. Now, a couple of things have, have started to develop since then. There's one, there's a group called One Team. They've partnered with Fanatics, and uh, one team has been, since like 2021, going out and signing up tons of athletes. And so I think they have now like 8,000 different athletes and have gotten their name, image, and likeness rights, and they're going to be able to work with here Fanatics. You could go to Fanatics, and you could go and get a Stetson Bennett Georgia, you know, Jersey, and it can say Bennett, and money would go to Stetson, and then uh, money would go to Georgia, and the same thing for any of these other players. You know, locally, uh, some of the people that have been on the Vanguard, Wesley Haynes, who's been in licensing for a long time, he's created a company called Campus Lore, and they work with the name, image, and likeness rights for athletes, right, um, from, from their days, and that was started, you know, in conjunction with the NFLPA. Because we all remember how excited we were when we were drafting Trevor, right? But what was interesting was we were all watching footage of Trevor right at Clemson because he hadn't put on a Jaguar jersey yet. And so once we had name, image, and likeness come in, we started creating these things to go, wait, you know, now we're, we're, we're playing all of this footage and doesn't, you know, this is his name, image, and likeness. So does he get paid? How does he get paid? How do you marshal that content? So what we're starting to see is that these large organizations are coming up and doing group licensing rights for the athletes. But from everything I've been able to find out, it hasn't been as financially uh, significant, you know, for the jersey sales as what people had thought. The money that we're hearing are these individual contractual deals between, you know, a corporation and a specific player. Brett, are the collectives signing contracts with these commits? 
Uh, I don't know because I haven't seen the contracts. You know, it's sort of the wild, wild lets. They are signing with student athletes, right? I would assume they're signing with the commits, right? They don't have to be in the university yet to do it. I do believe there was a contract between Jaden Rashada and these groups. And what these collectives are trying to do in a very small portion is to help these young men and women here coming up uh, to profit on their name, image, and likeness rights. Uh, And they're trying to structure it in such a way to make it seem legitimate, but uh, the values don't – I mean, it's pay for play, right? Like they're trying to figure out how they can run money from businesses to athletes. In the state of Florida, Florida State, Florida, and Miami, because of the statute that we have that says that the universities can't specifically be a part of marrying, right, these student-athletes up with these companies are really at a disadvantage. And so what we're seeing is nationally we're seeing a development of name, image, and likeness, right? But what we're seeing at different states and these different statutes are really starting to create irregularities. Brett, Jaden Rashada signed with Arizona State yesterday. Legally, does that take any leverage away from him if he wanted to pursue something against Florida or Miami? Uh, I, absolutely. I mean, a lot of times it's sort of the opportunity cost, right? Hey, I, I relied on you guys. If you guys didn't come through, it cost me. You know, uh, the other people would say, hey, look, you know, we released you. You were able to get to another place. Hey, you know, we and I don't know. I still don't know what the real amounts were offered, but you know, somebody offered you seven and you got eight somewhere else. Where's the damage, right? So, um, you know, it all comes down to that. But I, I'm sure I, I would imagine there had to be a release from the contract in exchange for a release from, you know, uh, signing with the school. So it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, comes out of it in the future. Brett, final question, uh, and I know you don't know this. I'm asking you to predict. We predict games all, all around here all the time. We don't really know the answers. I'm going to ask you to predict. Where will NIL be in five years? Will it just be part of the con- – Will it be? where will it be? You know, what I think you'll start seeing is where's, what do we see in pro football, you know, TV contracts and other things. It was like how did they divvy it up and get some of those things to the players. I think ultimately what you're going to see are – like the shoe companies or the apparel companies, that a part of that money starts going to the players. And then you'd have to figure out how would we distribute this. And, you know, when we have big settlements and mass tort cases, they'll break them up on like they call matrixes. But, you know, what would seem to be fair is if you take some of that money, redistribute it to all of the players, and, you know, based on seniority or being a starter or third on the depth chart, maybe you break that down so you're incentivized to go win a job, to stay at a university for a while and to share in some of that money that the university is getting. So they're set, no numbers. But I think the wild, wild west of offering people money will slow down in time. And the reason why is they're going to get burned on too many kids. Too many kids don't work out. And if it's sort of a booster channeling money through a corporation to get it to a player, you know, what if you did – I mean, what if you – I can't fathom that $13 million was really set up. But what if you paid $13 million for a kid that never takes a snap? Good luck going back and getting that money from the companies or from those boosters in the future. So I think that comes down and regulates. I think over time, you know, the Jordan money, some of the SEC network money gets broken up in some fair way to these players. And so that when you go there, there's kind of some knowns. And then the guys that are resourceful or where you see there's just something, a really unique opportunity for somebody to match up. Like you imagine if Jake Fromm would have been playing in, you know, the national 
uh, in name, image, and likeness time. You know, State Farm, he could have had a deal with them that would have been great, that would have made sense, and that might be something where you see a guy maybe make more money than some of the other players. Brett Hastings checking in. That is Sports and Course. Great work as always, Brett, from the Hastings Surgery Law Firm. Break. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. Got it. All right, Brett Hastings checking in. Where I think it's going, by the way, I think the NCAA is going to take down somebody that, somebody that used it as an enticement. I think they have to. I, th- I think somebody's got to drop. I told you yesterday, I thought that the, I'm glad the Rashada thing happened because it was a, it was, it was, it, we needed to see how bad it could be. I don't think Miami, Florida, anybody that was in this round, because we're still trying to sort out this round, Tennessee, they got the quarterback. But I think at some point, now, now that we know, now that the NCAA has sharper teeth, now that they know the NCAA can take you down if you use it as an inducement, someone's going on probation. I, I think that's, doesn't that have to happen at some point? I think if it does happen, it'll be a program that probably did it at a tenth of the level that yeah. the heavyweights are. It'll end up being East Carolina. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. That I, they prove gave right. a linebacker $300. And it's, the NCAA seems point. incapable now of taking down heavyweight programs yeah. or unwilling yeah. and, uh, unless the programs are just stupid enough right. to self-report themselves. And, I'm not looking and I don't know why anyone on a university campus would ever self-report anything because you're never going to get caught. Well, I, and I don't want to see – I'm not saying I want to see school X get taken down. What I want to see is people something – look, enough schools got taken down that they finally quit doing the egregious stuff. They finally quit handing bags of cash, you know, because, <laughs> because which they used to do that. I'm, still, I'm not saying they quit cheating, but they quit doing it so brazenly, and I, and I think that's going to wind up happening. I think, you again, NIL is a good thing if you're rewarding players on your campus who've earned it. Yeah, the other thing about the jersey sales that's interesting because it, it shows us in terms of we've talked about college basketball and its popularity – you don't have Chris Webbers anymore in right. college basketball. That's a great point. Michigan, the Fab, they were a pop culture phenom. Great point. They were the biggest story in sports. You don't have that anymore right. in college basketball, and you're never going to have that. That's so, a really good point. Who, who is, name a player in the country that's going to have 500,000 people buy his jersey. Yeah. It doesn't exist, and it hasn't, and it won't ever again. Interesting point. I, I don't disagree at all. Let's take a break. Hey, we're live on the JU campus. You're hearing Springsteen music. That's our old rock Thursday today. When we come back, Alex Ricker Gilbert joins us. He's the AD here. Uh, as the rumble is uh, just a few hours away. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is in the encore, by the way. Okay. Rosalita's about Look. halfway through the encore. Well, Should I be surprised? That kind of surprises me. Yeah. I, the, la- the last song of the regular set is Badlands, okay. which you would imagine. Yeah. And then uh, Born to Run is the second song in the encore. I would thought they'd either start with it or end mm-hmm. with it. So, yeah. There so there you go. You well, know, and it the, could change. For the Loser Monday tiebreaker, yes. we could have Lauren and Gibby predict the set list. How about that? Even though it's, it's kind of out there. Already, <laughs> yeah, I've already um, found it. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Frangie hates Carline. Lauren Brooks, our friend Alex Ricker Gilbert, joins us now, the terrific AD here. We're talking all about Springsteen. Now, Springsteen's uh, going to be in Orlando on Sunday night. I um, went my senior year of college. Yeah. At the Bryce Jordan Center at Penn State, it was my it was my last week of school. Okay, I went to to Springsteen and we had some fun. I'll bet you <laughs> did. I remember most of it. What, <laughs> <laughs> what year would that have been? Two thousand nine. 
Okay, that was the, that was the actual <coughs> second River Tour. The Rising Tour would have been about four years before that. So the the, the redo of the River Tour. It was a great tour, as a matter of fact. You graduated from college in two thousand and nine. I sure did. Good night. You're so young. Yeah, is is he young or are you just kind of old? <laughs> uh, well, both are okay, true. There you go. So there's that. No. <laughs> How are you, man? Good to I'm see good. you. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks you, for being on campus. I came in here. You guys were outside. It was too cold in the river house. <laughs> <laughs> we're a little wimpy. We kind of are. But you were prepared. You had the jacket on. Oh, yeah. You, you I, knew. As uh, I said to Frank, when, when you come in on campus here and you're inside, you always have to have a uh, long sleeve because we got the AC working. <laughs> the AC works well here. Um, uh, I, like, well, I want to talk all about JU and what's going on in your campus, but I got to start with the Rumble. I love the Rumble. I mean, you've been a lot of rumbles for you now. Is it is it still special for you when 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 you get together uh, with your crosstown rival? Oh, I love it. I love it. it. I was telling somebody today. It was hard to believe. This is my ninth school year here, so I've been here eight and a half years. And I remember the first rumble I went to. We were still playing downtown. Ju uh, was was playing downtown, and UNF had a really good team. That was the year they went to the tournament. Yeah. And my first. Oh, gosh, three or four years, they, they won 10 in a row. Yeah. And so um, it, was, it was not much fun early on, but we've started to climb back into it. And the rivalry is just – it's so much fun to have somebody in your league across town, and people really get into it. I mean, people really get into it, and there's, there's nothing really like it in this league. Um, and I think it's really special, and every game matters, and every game has sort of its own story. You guys have had the facility now open for, I guess, a little over a year. What's it been like having it? You know, I think it's done a ton for our programs, basketball programs, but it's also opened up the rest of campus for our athletes. You know, we have one floor on this campus, one gym floor on this campus, so we would jam four teams in there for practice. Um, And we had one weight room, and so what it's done is – we now don't have scheduling issues. Teams don't have to practice late at night. The weight room's much more open because the practice facility has the weight room for men's and women's basketball. Uh, and I'll tell you what, knock on wood, it's really helped our free throw shooting. <laughs> I, I think I think we're yeah. top in the league in free throw shooting, nice. and I think that has something to do with it. That's awesome. That would certainly make sense. Do you have a busy February? We do. We do. Jacksonville Athletics always has a busy February. I'm looking back at Scott Manzi and Rick Canner. We start uh, tonight. We have 41 home games in 28 days. Nobody's counting, though. Uh, (laughs) Men's and women's lacrosse open up. Uh, Men's lacrosse opens up this weekend at home at 7 o'clock on Saturday night against Johns Hopkins. Um, Baseball and softball open soon. Women's lacrosse opens next Friday night. They have a they have a fun little weekend against Rutgers in Michigan to open mm. their season. Wow. So yeah, a lot going on. Talk about talk about your basketball team a little bit. Jordan Jordan is so good. He had, he came by and stopped by and he's fun to be around. Um, tell me about how the season's gone through your through your prism. Yeah, so I think you know, we're right in it. You know, five and five in the league. I think we're a game out of third place. I think, you know, by definition, we've been up and down. You know, we're not gonna sugarcoat it. Um, in league play, we've went loss win. Five straight weeks. We split every week in league. Um, it sell, tells you a little bit about us. If you lose the first game of the week, you got to turn around in two games and you win every one. You got some resilience. Um, I also think that um, we're, we're starting to get healthy. You know, Mike Marsh was out for a good chunk of uh, the fall, um, and he's worked his way back into shape. And, and he's really going to help us down the stretch. Jarius Cook 
was out for a good chunk of league play. He was going to start at the beginning of the year. He was in our starting lineup. He was dealing with a shoulder injury. And so we're working our way back to sort of our rotation that we thought we were going to have. Obviously not having Bryce Workman hurts. But when it's all said and done, you know, we got eight games left in the league play. Um, We've got five of them at home. Jordan's 22 and one at home in his two years here. And so a lot of the season's still ahead of us and we're excited where we are. Are there any teams in the 14 in the A-Sun that can't compete in the conference tournament or because they just got in? Or is there anything going on with that or anybody above you that isn't going to be a factor? How do, any, any update? Yeah, so the, we have 14 teams in the league this year. We let everybody play, even if they're transitioning. Um, and, but our conference tournament, the, the league decided only 10 go. And so 10 of the 14 will go. And so and, – and, this is as strong as the league has been in probably a couple of decades. Um, top to bottom, there's really there's not a night off. Um, obviously, Liberty's a really good ball club, and you go on down the list, Kennesaw and Stetson and, and Eastern Kentucky all playing really well. So there's really no night you can say, okay, you know, we don't need to be at our best tonight, and maybe we'll sneak one out. You always got to be ready, and that's what makes it fun. You go to a ton of practices, obviously a ton of games. Do you ever find yourself wanting to give advice to any of your coaches? No. <laughs> I stay out of their business. Um, I, as I say, I'm, a, I'm their biggest advocate. I will give them feedback on maybe some of the guys' faces or attitudes. But when it comes to coaching the game, that's their deal. Um, if they ask me, that's a different story. But in the middle of the season, I try not to get into it with them on what's happening offensively, what's happening defensively. I mean, we talk all the time, but they're not going to come and say to me and tell me how to do my job, and so the same goes for me. Alex, what are your challenges as the AD at JU? I mean, obviously you've been here long enough to know the job like the back of your hand now. Obviously you want to you make it a great uh, environment for your student-athletes and win a bunch of games. We all know that. But what are, is, it, is it building facilities? Is it adding? Is it improving? What are the challenges? What, what's the mission statement? Yeah, I think, I think we've come a long way in the facility race, especially at our level. I think uh, uh, arena is always something we're mm-hmm. going to need here uh, in, in the short term. Um, but facility is probably not the greatest challenge for us at this point. It was maybe six or seven years ago. Okay. Um, I would say that the, the biggest challenge is the national landscape. And just the, the gap has always been wide, right, between us and Florida and what they're doing versus what we're doing. But the name, image, and likeness um, debacle that is uh, going on right now in that there's different rules in different states and people are doing different things. Uh, and, and, you know, the conversation around pay for play and, and the, the conference is always shifting and shaping and, and having to stay ahead of the curve on that. I would say our biggest challenge is trying to keep up. Um, and, and we are trying to be unique in our league. And so we're getting involved in the name, image, and likeness space. We're making sure that we're on top of what's going on from a national perspective as it relates to our rules. Um, But at the same time, as rules become more decentralized and there's less of them, it creates this larger gap. And so there's a resource need, there's a resource suck. Um, And so we're going to continue to have to pour in to what we're doing to keep up. 
You gave us such great information during the pandemic about the NCAA tournament, what it means from an NCAA perspective. What would you like to see with NIL? What do you think is anything that, that the NCAA is, is doing in terms of it? Can you give us any perspective with that? Yeah, I can try. Um, you know, we, we probably got a little bit ambitious with adopting the rules we did. We felt pressure. Um, and so we adopted this interim NIL policy, which is no policy at all. It was basically refer or defer to your state legislation. And when that happens, states adopted different rules on how involved um, schools could be in negotiating and helping the student athletes. And, and so in the state of Florida, for example, we can't help student athletes broker deals. We can't promote a collective. In other states, they can't. Um, and that's a big difference. It's a big difference when you're trying to help your student athletes get compensated. So I think a national standard, first and foremost, where everybody follows the same rule um, is what we need to do. I think name, image, and likeness is here to stay. I think it's a good thing for the most part if it's handled correctly. Um, and I think a, a sign of us moving in that direction is who, the, who we just hired as the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, who was the governor of Massachusetts. If the NCAA had hired a governor 10 years ago, you would have said, what are they doing? But there's so much, many issues um, at, at, at the national level with Congress as it relates to NIL and pay for play that we need more of a voice in those conversations as we try to figure out what the standard's going to be. And if there's somebody that can do that, it's probably a state governor. So I think that change and hiring a governor as the NCAA president sort of sort of shows you the space that we're in in college athletics as far as transfer portal we i think we all agree nil needs to change some but what are, what do you think about the transfer portal I, I think it's still a little too early to know sort of the impact um because it's only been a few years um i think we had to do you know a lot of this is centered around legal risk Right. There was a lot of litigation around not letting kids transfer mm -hmm. and play right away. That's basically why we change a lot of our rules. And so I think we needed to do something there. I think the one time transfer and being able to compete right away is necessary. I think that's good. I think where we let it get away from us and we're trying to put it back in the bag is letting kids go two, three, four times. And they're really going to we're really decided to tighten up on that this year. So you won't see as much of that going into next year. Um, and, and there'll be some noise around that. But at the end of the day, the more times you transfer, the less likely you are to graduate. And, and so and that's a real concern for university presidents and people in the in industry. Um, the one transfers fine. But after, you know, you see kids at four or five schools, it gets really hard for them to ever finish. I'm going to go back to something you said a minute ago. And, and you and I have had certainly talks offline about this because I've picked your brain and I'm a grew up a JU fan and I'm nosy. <laughs> but you now, you now have a, a, a state-of-the-art lacrosse complex and building. You have a baseball tournament, a baseball uh, stadium that could hold regionals if your team was, was so adept. Uh, you just put a basketball practice facility together that, that any, any Power Five would like to practice in there. When do you address an arena for the basketball team? What, what, what would be, what's, a, what's a plan? What would, when would you like to see that happen? Um, I think, you know, we're about to announce a comprehensive campaign okay. for the, the university uh, here soon. We're in, we're in, and that will be, that is part of it. 
as far as what's going to go into those conversations, um, what we want to see happen in the next five to seven years. And so um, that is a must for us to continue to elevate not only basketball, but the school. There's no question. Um, And and so, you know, it's not just a basketball arena. It could be a concert venue. It could be graduation camps, all of that. It can have economic impact. And so those conversations are happening regularly um, in the Howard building, in my office. And so we're really excited about the next step. And you, and, and, and you, you said it. It doesn't necessarily have to be JU builds a basketball arena. It could be this area, this city builds a whatever that affects economic impact, that affects your university, that affects your biology students, mm-hmm. and that also affects, uh, that helps you go to the basketball program. I mean, that, that's, that's the story, right? Yep. In Arlington. Yeah. You know, so. What do you think about the NCAA tournament? Are you in favor of expanding it at all, or do you like it where it is? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think, you know, that got a lot of attention, right, uh, I don't know, a month ago before the convention. And the idea was to, for team sports to have 25% of the, of the teams playing at the schools playing it, have access to the championship. So everybody immediately went, okay, that's 96 basketball teams. But to be honest with you, I think they're more focused on baseball um, and, and softball um, and some of our other sports versus basketball. Um, now, do can I see it happening? Sure. Is it going to happen next year? No. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot more expense that's associated with it. They're going to need more revenue, uh, which they'll get in basketball. But if we're going to do that in all of our sports or consider that in all of their sports, that's, that's a, there's a lot that goes into the mechanics of that. And so um, I think it's good that we're talking about it. But for it to be imminent, I don't believe that. You mentioned 22-1 and one in the past two seasons so far for men's basketball. How do you get the students so excited and, and fill the Swisher Gymnasium each time? Yeah, I think, I think uh, our, our staff has done a really good job getting out and, and promoting athletics and our, and our athletic environment to our students. You know, that's, that's our media relations staff. That's our marketing staff. That's our student ambassadors that we have hired as student workers to, to help us get the environment where it is. Um, But I also think it's Mincy and his staff. You know, they've really um, embraced our student body. They're around. They talk to students. They they engage with them um, as they're walking across campus. They show interest in them. Our basketball student athletes are really engaged with our other sports. They go to their games. They go to Greek life events. They go to concerts. And so I think it's become really a community thing. Um, And a lot of credit goes to Mincy and his team and his staff and then our marketing and promotion staff. Alex Cricker Gilbert, the uh, AD. Are you excited? You nervous? You're you're two hours out. What are you right now? I'm a little bit of both. Okay. You know me. I I, I stop eating a few hours before the game and get focused (laughs) in and and drink a lot of water. and (laughs) Stay uh, hydrated. I I have nothing to do with what's going to happen tonight, so I'm going to try to have some fun. Alex, thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. Thanks. Alex Cricker Gilbert is the AD here at Jacksonville University. Scott Manzi, the voice of the Dolphins, joins us after this. Welcome back on a Stanley Pools Thursday live here at Jacksonville University at the River House. And Scott Manzi joins us now, the voice of the Dolphins and also assistant athletic director for athletic communications. Welcome, Scott Manzi. And how much do you love Bruce Springsteen? So uh, this is probably going to get me kicked off this show immediately, but I'm not a Bruce Springsteen <laughs> fan. My Careful. dad is a massive fan, okay. and he's seen him 
Hun not hundreds of times, but you know, uh, he's seen times. him a bunch of times. He had one time where he even snuck somehow into like the front row uh, in Orlando when he saw him one time on a work trip. But he loves him. It did not translate to me. I yeah. appreciate yeah. him. Yeah, I appreciate him, but I, I I'm not yeah. turning on the boss. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I will tell you, you're a you want me to drag him out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I was I know. Saying, and that was great seeing you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, like I said, you're an awesome guy. You're an awesome play-by-play guy. You were a lousy producer, and I don't think. <laughs> Uh, okay. My music taste is and, not and none great of either. none of which overcomes the fact that you've got lousy music taste, <laughs> but that's okay. So, uh, so, so there's that. Um, you, you know, he's in, you know he's coming to Orlando, right? Yeah, yeah. I heard you talking yeah. about it earlier, and I get what, what's he? He's got a couple dates in the state. Is uh, that what he's? Last night in Tampa. Okay. Tomorrow Atlanta. All right. Then back to the state so, for which Orlando. Which is a strange yeah. Yeah. triangle. triangle yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think he's got a plane. I think he's flying. I don't think he's. I don't think he's. Sure, got, but I don't think he's in a trailer. Yeah. Most people okay. would do. Okay. Or Tampa, then Orlando, then Atlanta. Just saying. I haven't been to a concert in forever. Though I need to find one maybe this summer when the uh, the calendar slows down a little bit because I don't think I've been to anything since pre-COVID. I think, I think is that I'm right? Like, yeah, it's been yeah. a while. It's what's your while. favorite? Like if you what's your dream concert? Um, man, I've been to I've been to some good ones. I know Frank and I talked about that. Boston came here back at the amphitheater years ago, Fantastic. probably about ten years ago. That was an awesome Fantastic one. Fantastic. That was an awesome show. That was like a birthday gift to yeah. me like a decade ago. That one was great. I mean. My, my dream one would be Freddie Mercury come back, comes back from the dead and I see yeah. Queen yeah, yeah, because yeah. my dad saw them at Madison Square Garden in oh, the late wow. 70s and he came out. I guess the Yankees had just won the World Series yeah. and he came out to sing We Are the Champions in a Yankee bomber jacket. Oh, wow. And apparently the place went nuts. But yeah, yeah. obviously sure. he knew how to put on a performance. So, um, yeah, but that, yeah, can you imagine that? Seeing, I would seeing love to see Queen. Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Um, um, let's talk a little about JU basketball. Great season last year. Okay year this year, wanting to finish better. Um, what's been your take on, on this year's team? Consistency is sort of the, uh, the thing they keep searching for at this point. I talked about it on, with Coach Mincy on his radio show on Monday nights on here. Uh, it, last couple of weeks we've just been like, so why does it every week we lose the first game of the weekend and win the second game of the weekend type thing? Yeah. And uh, there's, you know, he talked about it a little earlier too. It's, it's interesting because a lot of the big names are back. But then you're trying to incorporate new names. Every year is different. Every year is unique. They've dealt with some injuries that have led to some inconsistency in the lineup this year. But the league's also better this year, too. And uh, that has made life difficult. I mean, I, I saw the stat, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, and it's, it's kind of held up where, I mean, the winning percentage for home teams versus road teams in the conference this year is astronomical. We're talking about, like, 88% or something home team wins. So wow. it, it, has been, it has been home team defends home court type deal. And so it's just hard to win on the road. JU's only won two road games in the league so far, and their most recent one came on Saturday. And so it just makes it that much more important to win on a game like tonight at home. I think when you look at the final ten games, it looks pretty manageable. JU doesn't have to play Liberty or, or Kennesaw State, the two kind of leading mm -hmm. the charge at the top. Do you get the sense that – JU can get hot in these final 10? Yeah, it feels like the way this schedule is set up, it was, it was a lot of travel on the front end. It was, at one point, it was like every team that was in the top half of the league we had played and hadn't played any teams in the bottom half, it felt like. And so, like you said, you're looking at Austin P on the road. Well, that's a team that's won only two league games. You know, you should have a chance to beat a team like that away from home. You've, you avoid your, the league leaders. Eastern Kentucky, who's third place in the league, they're coming here. So it does set up fairly well for this group if they're able to kind of get together and play the style of basketball like we saw on Saturday at Central Arkansas, like we've seen at times throughout the course of this year. If they can just find 
that on a night-in, night-out type basis, then, yeah, I think it's going to be a little more manageable, like you said. And I misspoke. It's eight games. Eight games left, I think. Yeah, I think that's Not right. Not ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah eight yeah. games left. So, we'll see. Coach Mincy, Men- Coach Mincy mentioned that he needs to help Kevion Nolan get off the court at times because he wants to play 40 minutes. When he's off the court, who needs to step up? It should be kind of a different guy every night if this thing's working the right way. And a perfect example of that was Saturday. Kevion Nolan went scoreless for the first time in his 55-game career here. Plays 16 minutes, leaves in the f- late in the first half, doesn't score a point, and yet you win a game by 10 on the road that you led by as many as 18 at one point. And, you know, it's Central Arkansas. They're at the bottom of the standings, but you're still away from home. And it was a balanced attack. Frank loves Osio Sifo. He has been lights out here this last two to three weeks. He has gotten back to the Osai that we saw much of last season where he's just nonstop energy. He's coming off a double-double on Saturday. He's been the most consistent player, and now it's just a matter of who's going to help him out. Having Mike Marsh healthy again, he's rounding into shape again, sort of playing himself back into shape after missing a month. Uh, Jordan Davis has been much more consistent this year, and I know they're leaning on him. And Jossie Powell, the local kid from Bishop Snyder, he's been a really nice story. Uh, Gary Smith from the Times Union wrote a nice piece on him this week too, and he's a guy who's really taken a step forward in his second year here and his third year in college basketball he's been a big piece and uh, I'm curious to see if maybe you know the local guy River City Rumble connection if he steps up here tonight I I I got a theory it's a philosophy see if you agree with this or not and it's not it's not just as it relates to JU I think what's become epidemic in college basketball is the way the game you got to make shots today and people can't find shooters I think I, I watch it with Florida. I watch it with some of the other national teams. No one is going to recruit better bigs, tough, hard-nosed defensive players at this level than Jordan Mincy. I, mm-hmm. I, know, I know the sample size is a year and a half, but it's obvious he's going to have that. They're going to, they're going to defense their butt off. They're going to rebound. They're going to, they're going to spread the floor. But it's hard to find shooters. Isn't finding three-point shooters – in conjunction with everything else, the big challenge teams have today. Yeah, Do you see I, it that way? I think everybody's looking for them. And yeah. a big part of it is, you know, everybody can work on that kind of thing, but it takes time, right? Yeah. And practice is segmented. And, you, and you've yeah. got uh, – you're working on all these concepts and everything. And, like, you have to be willing to, like, go in early and stay late to work on your shooting because that is when you will get shots up and shoot most of the time. And I think Jossie, back to him, a great example. He's a guy that has – taken a huge step forward this year he's shooting almost 50 percent from three after shooting like 28 percent last year but he's one of those guys who's in there first thing in the morning in the gym he's staying after late every time like he's putting in that type of work and I don't know if if you want to get too far into like how much time do these guys spend together how is is too much of their time segmented or or regulated or whatever but I I think the ones that are willing to, to do the work see the results but again there's only so much you can do probably yeah. uh, in a given year to get better. You have to have some of the natural ability. I could shoot five hours a day every day in that gym, and I'm <laughs> right. not going out there right. shooting right. 30% from three. And it's just hard to find them. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. serious about that. It's hard. I mean, you could find a guy that, 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 that's a jump shooter to two-way high school mm-hmm. that can make that can win horse all day long. But I mean shooters that can get them off at, at, well, at this level. And as I, the athletes have gotten better too, yeah. right? the time to get the shots off is, is become no less. Question. No like, question. You have to have a quick release. You have to be able to beat a closeout. See, like. see, that's the thing, Hayes. Defense and athleticism and running, and running at guys has gotten better than ever, but shooting hasn't. That's why it's changed. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, one big man that I thought 
going to be sensational was Omar Payne, and the season still has a couple, you know, some weeks left. Do you see any signs that Omar Payne could uh, have a strong close for you guys? Well, I certainly hope so. He's a guy who showed flashes early on. I mean, he's one of those all-airport team guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he walks – first off the bus, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Right. This guy's a specimen. And, and he had some moments in the non-conference. He had a really good game at UAB where he battled through a bum ankle against you know, one of the better teams in the conference, USA, a quality team, a tournament team. And for whatever it is, he just hasn't been able to find that same level of consistency in conference play. And I do think maybe there's a little bit of a – he's like, I played at Florida. I played at Illinois. We're in the A Sun. Like I gotta dominate. Mm-hmm. When he doesn't necessarily have to do that, all he's got to do is play within his role for this team, and I think he'd be able to help him out. So we'll see. There was a big uh, meeting, you could say, after the North Alabama loss last Thursday, where it's like, "Hey, listen, guys. Like, you've got to value the person next to you and want to play hard for that person for 40 minutes, because otherwise, like, th- th- this isn't gonna work." You're one of the more talented teams in this league if you just put it together and play hard for each other. And we saw a good example of that against Central Arkansas. But, again, that's Central Arkansas. This is going to be a much bigger test here tonight. Hopefully, Omar Payne, who turned in one of the all-time worst stat lines you'll ever see, 58 seconds and four fouls at wow. Central Arkansas. Four fouls in a minute. Uh, I mean, four fouls in a minute. hopefully that's not one that lingers with him. And I heard Coach mention you know, earlier he's been kind of working with him a little bit on the side to keep his mind in the game. And if he gets out there tonight, you know, there's – a couple of pretty good bigs on the other side for North Florida, too, and, and they'll need him. I fouled out one time when I played basketball in out? middle school. I fouled did out you? one time. I cried. Did you, did you? <laughs> I was so upset with myself. I, I cried. So. Were, were you were you like 18 and 13 before fouling out? Is that what happened? <laughs> I you was dominating zero the game? And, okay. and zero and okay. then five fouls. Okay. Uh, Scott, when it comes to tonight, it's so loud in there. Do you ever have trouble hearing your broadcast partner? 100%, yes. Um, I'll be without Artis Gilmore here tonight. He's out in uh, Hawaii sending me pictures of him with uh, Joe Theismann wow. and uh, Jim McMahon and Roger right. Clemens playing golf. He'll be back hopefully for the Saturday game. Yeah. But, um, he, yeah, when, when we're in there together, and so, you know, you got two mics on, and they're, and they're open up, and, you know, the, the mics are pretty good quality. They, they, they filter noise fairly well, but how loud it gets in Swisher. I mean, there are times where I'm having to, like, yell – just to hear myself in my in my headphones over the noise of the crowd. And I was listening back to trying to cut a couple of clips for our video guy for a promo video from last year's game here. You can hardly hear me because right. it was so loud in there. You know, JU ends up getting off to the great start, goes on to the biggest margin of victory in the history of this rivalry, 32 points in that in that home finale here last year against them. And, yeah, it is to that point. It's Sometimes it's just as deafening for me as it is everybody else. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know you're going to have a blast tonight. The, the River City Rumble is the most fun thing uh, around here, and I can tell you that. Hey, did you ever fell out of a game? Uh, I did not. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I, I, I can you tell didn't you this. Either? I can tell you this. I played bas- in basketball leagues forever. No one ever fouled out because the f- it, it, it had to be five charges because the foul out, you got to be trying to play defense. I had no interest in defense. Most overrated thing. Give me the ball for well, crying out loud. I couldn't shoot, so uh, I was only a defender. Scott, thanks for stopping by. Good luck tonight. Appreciate it. We'll take a break. Lauren will wrap the program in news and notes after this. We are live here at Jay's Riverhouse Pub ahead of. North Florida taking on JU in men's basketball. That tips off at 7 o'clock at Swisher. And, of course, it is sold out. And then River City Rumble Part 2 will be on Saturday at UNF Arena. All right, gentlemen, I want to start with a little hot seat talk in college football because this number to me is staggering. 
First of all, do both of you agree that Jimbo Fisher, the head coach of the Texas A&M Aggies, is on the hot seat? I would say yes. Yeah, yeah yes, yes. Okay. I, I, a hot seat of sorts. If fired after the 2023 season, he would be owed $77 million. We know that Which A&M is why has I deep said pockets. Of sorts. But do you think they would do something like that? They have um, the money in theory, um, if they have the money in theory. Four and eight, and it looks like it's blowing up, yes. If four and eight and the recruits and people are bailing, uh, I think they, if, they had to, if they had to fire him out of desperation, I think they would, they would eat the $70 million. But I don't think they want to. There, there's different kinds of hot seats. I don't think he – sometimes the hot seat, they're looking to fire the guy. You know what I mean? There, there's some guys – I've seen guys on hot like Brian seats. Brian Harson at yeah, 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 correct. He, you couldn't, they couldn't wait to fire yeah. him. I don't think that's the case here. As far as that type of contract, Hayes, do you think that – let's say he does get fired and they owe him $77 million. Do you think we will no longer see that type of contract? I mean, it was pretty special in and of itself, but a 10-year guaranteed type of contract, do you think we'll start to see fewer of those? I don't think so because the salaries just continue to go up. I mean, you look at Heupel just agreed to a $9 million deal. I, I want to say – at least 10 of the 14 coaches or maybe it's 11 of the 14 coaches in the SEC are making over $7 million. Uh, it's just, I think it's just the price of doing business. Now, Jimbo's contract was certainly inflated, uh, both in price and in years, but he had just won a national title. Uh, Texas A&M was you know, kind of desperate to make a, a mm-hmm. huge splash higher. So his circumstance is still going to be fairly unique, but... Um, I mean, look at the deal USC gave Lincoln Riley and everything that came with that. I, I don't think you're going to see any, any backtracking and, and the numbers going down as we move on. Whoever the next heavyweight football program is that has to go find a coach, I think they're going to be more than willing to spend $10 million or more to get their guy. Because nothing goes down, you know. I mean, nothing, nothing costs less now than it did 10 years ago. Should Jimbo Fisher have stayed at Florida State? Uh, no, he, he, Jimbo Fisher was trying to get out of Florida State the whole time. Jimbo Fisher spent his entire time at Florida State trying to get out of Florida State. But yeah. would he have been better served as far as getting players? Well, yeah. Florida State has a better chance to win national championships than Texas A&M, as evidenced by the fact that they have and if, if Texas A&M hasn't. Now, part of that was they had the great Bobby Bowden, one of the great coaches of all time. Your, your path to a championship is more clear at Florida State than at A&M. There's, there's no doubt about that. But you probably can make more money. You probably can have more money in your program at A&M than you did at Florida State. He, listen, I t- Florida, he did great when he got the job. I know Florida State people that thought he was pissy the whole time. He, he flirted with Auburn. He flirted with Texas. LSU. He flirted with LSU. Um, so if, if his mindset was different, would Mike Norvell be better off at FSU than A&M? Probably, because he doesn't seem to be whiny and entitled. and you, you know what I mean? So, But Jimbo needed to go. I think Jimbo, this isn't Jimbo's last job. I think oh, Jim, I totally agree. Yeah, he's gonna, he'll wind up somewhere else. He should have gone to LSU. If he had had the opportunity, that's where he, he should have gone to LSU. That, that, that's where he would fit. And, and I would not be surprised if it, blow, if it, blows, up, if it blows up at A&M. Would not shock me. And the Hugh Freeze thing didn't work if he landed at all. He's never going to Alabama. Alabama and hiring Jim Fisher. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's Auburn one day. Yesterday was National Signing Day of the schools that we discussed the most. Georgia came in 
with the second ranked class, Miami sixth, Florida 11, and Florida State came in at 20. Hayes, any of those surprising? I don't think so. We didn't see a lot of uh, you know movement late. Obviously, 95% of the impactful decisions were made in December in the early period. Uh, you know, I, I think for Alabama and for Georgia, it's still uh, they're going to be the the two juggernauts, and and really, it's Georgia. Although Alabama had the number one class, but to me, it's those two, and then there's a big drop off. But I, I think. Miami needed a class like this because it was so bad on the field for them in the fall. So it gives Miami something to be excited about. Florida didn't close as strong as they would have liked, and the Rashada controversy certainly uh, put a cloud over what was a, a really good recruiting class for Florida when you consider hitting all the major needs that they had to hit and hitting them with quality and quantity. I think for Florida State, that's a disappointing class, but uh, they did well in the portal. They now have momentum based on a great season to go out in 2024 and have a little bit better of a product to sell to prospects. And I think you're seeing that reflected early on because I think they're third right now uh, in 2024 when you look at the 24-7 sports composite. So not a great class for Florida State, but it looks like if this really is sustainable for Florida State, that going forward in the future, they'll do a much better job recruiting high school talent. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot. Two things Hayes said. Number one, Florida State wasn't relevant when this recruitment, when the recruitment of these players began. They weren't relevant. They're damn relevant now. So the 24 year, the 24 recruiting season could show that. We'll see. And, and, and there's a chance, and I think there's a good chance it will. You're already seeing a little bit of that to start. So I think that, that's A. B, you hit it. Hayes, what you said a minute ago is dead on. It's Alabama and Georgia. And then who else can come to the party? Uh, Ohio State's still at the party. Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State are still in the party. Then who else can get there? There's Of the 131 schools or 21 or whatever there are, 131, um, there's probably about 120 that can't join that party. There's probably another 10 that can join them. Florida's in the loop. Uh, LSU's in the mix. They could join them. FSU could join them. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma could join them. USC could join them. Michigan could join them. Penn State could join them. That's about it. In terms of, in terms of getting the elite guys, there's about another 10, in my mind, there's another 10 schools that possibly could get to the party, and that's, a, that's about it. What about Oregon and Notre Dame? Their classes eight and nine, respectively. That's two. They could. So maybe the numbers, maybe there's another 15. Maybe 10's too shy. Oregon. I don't think Oregon can. I think that would have happened by now. Yeah. I think Notre Dame, Notre Dame could. I think Notre Dame could. Yeah. Uh, Clemson could. Um, Clemson for sure, and, and, I'm, and I'm looking at Clemson as one that's already there, but if not, Clemson absolutely could, right. By the way, how much of a, a kick in the pants was it to Notre Dame to lose the offensive coordinator to Alabama? Let me tell you about Did Tommy Reese take the job? He did. Okay, so. At least that, that's what I saw. So let me tell you this. So the, war, the book on Tommy Reese is they don't like him up there. Some of them, like Stuart Mandel and, and Adam Rittenhouse, whatever, said, I'm surprised. Well, why, would, why wouldn't Alabama want him? A lot of Alabama – Taylor Dahl told me a lot of Alabama fans – I mean, a lot of Notre Dame fans didn't like him. I can tell you this. I called that – I called the Gator Bowl game. That was some of the most creative, timely play calling I've ever seen. I thought he was really good. Uh, he's a young guy. He's going to be a head coach. I'm not, I, I wasn't at all surprised that Alabama went after him, and I think it's a gigantic blow for Notre Dame. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's uh, – I, th I think when – with Notre, the other thing too is I'm really hopeful that this uh, really bothers Sam Hartman, and he asks <laughs> out of his letter of intent and comes to Florida. 
<laughs> but I, uh, but no, I, I, I think I think Tommy. That's a, that's a great call. I think Tommy Reese is fantastic. He's fantastic. You don't want Sam Hartman though, because Graham Mertz is going to win. No, the no. Well, I, I'm going to I'm going to adopt a Hayes Carline greater awful. I think Hartman would have been awful, and Mertz <laughs> is going to be great. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm adopting the greater awful. Hayes, do you believe in the Madden simulations for Super Bowls? Uh, yes, just for the sake of the conversation. So, Lay it on me. Patrick Mahomes near perfect as the Chiefs knock off the Eagles in Madden simulation. All right. How many times did they do the simulation? That's a good question. I didn't yeah. read that far well, into the article. I mean, that's a, sometimes they do these yeah, things like 90,000 times, yeah, and then they sort of come to a, a consensus. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Sure. I'm a, I'm a little bit offended. Sure. Why didn't I ask you? Why didn't you ask me, a video game warrior from way back when? Uh, I should have, and you were just second in line. So I was coming to you in just second. I played one of the video games. What was it? Bill Walsh College Football. Technoball? <laughs> That's the only one it, I've It was heard. some kind of college football. I don't know if it was Bill Walsh. It was like, this would have been in like 96, yeah. 97. Is that what it was? It, yeah, it was, it was college, college football. football. I was good. That's yeah. why I, I was the Gators. Because, was the because you're now asking Hayes. I was the Gators. <laughs> right. I didn't ask you either, did I? Good no. Well said. Yeah. Uh, by the way, when it comes to the Super Bowl, Florida and Oklahoma have the most players uh, from their schools on the teams. How many Gators can you name? Uh, so Don't question, look at my ask, screen. Ask, I didn't ask question no. again. Is Dunlap still a Dunlap is still there. How many, How many Gators can you name that are playing in the Super Bowl? Dunlap, Tony, There are seven Townsend. total. Yep. You've got three out of seven. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You've got four. Well done. There are three more. One of them I don't think you're going to get to maybe the final three. So I can help you if you need um, help. One's a is, running back. Is Hammond still? Nope. Okay. Nope. One's P a running back. P. Ryan. Okay, you got P. Ryan. One is a wide receiver. This is one that, that we I, haven't he never yet? plays. But he was important in a victory over Tennessee a few years ago. The Cleveland yep. plays for one of these yep. teams? Yep, Tyree Cleveland plays for the Eagles. Okay. And the last one you're, that I don't think you would have gotten, an offensive tackle. Hang on. Offensive tackle. Yep, and he plays for the Eagles. But I don't. he's not a starter, I don't think. No, he's not a starter. Lomas Brown. The, <laughs> the two starters are Lane Johnson and the 6'8", 350 guy. So yeah. he's not a starter. Um, an offensive I have no tackle idea. Uh, 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 that played at Florida that now plays for the Yeah, Eagles. he's definitely not a starter. And I don't even see him on the depth chart, so know. that's how buried he is. Fred Johnson. Oh, Fred Johnson, okay. Fred there Johnson, yeah, there yeah. you have he's it. Definitely a backup. By the way, these numbers did surprise me. So real quick before we say hello to Blue, Florida State has six players in the Super Bowl. Georgia, four. Michigan, Mississippi State, and Nebraska also have four. The Mississippi State and Nebraska are really surprising. Yeah, well, you know, Mississippi State's one of those schools that you don't, you don't realize a guy played there until you look up and he's great. I mean – I mean, Chris Jones in Mississippi State. Right. Willie Gay's from Mississippi State. You know, those guys are really good players, and they're going to have a great effect on the Super Bowl. But you know what I mean? They're one yeah. of those schools you look up and go, oh, he played there. Right. You know, that's, that's how Mississippi State kind of is. And by the way, I do not know if the tickets tonight are going, because it's sold out, are going for this amount for the Rumble. But some people are paying $92,000 to go see the Lakers play because they want to be there when LeBron James breaks the scoring record. No, I, I paid $92,000 for tonight's Rumble ticket. <laughs> so, 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 so and also are. for your Springsteen ticket and, on and, and, and Sunday. That, that as well. All right, let's say hello to Rick Ballew. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. 
Well, you're a big spender. You'd drop 92K to go watch LeBron, wouldn't you? 92K? Not a chance. Yeah. Not a chance. I, I don't know if I'd drop $92 to see LeBron James. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you going to one of the Springsteen shows? I Listen, if I want to have someone yell and scream at me all the time, I'll just get married again. Okay. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. You are know you what I'm saying? The, I do. Are you going to one of the Springsteen shows? I am not. And uh, my good friend of yours as well, Brian Whitmire, sent me to set list last night. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, as much as I want to go, I, I, I'm just not too fired up about him singing the Detroit medley and, and, and bringing yeah. Gary U.S. Bonds on stage to play one, you know, uh, uh, his B-sides. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was disappointed with the set list. I wanted to check it. Um, I love him. He's one of my all-time favorites, but I'm going to sit this one out. How about you? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm abs- you know I'm going. I'm absolutely going. I think you, knowing you, knowing that both Racing in the Street and Jungle Land did not make the set list would have bothered you. I know. Yeah. Not only do I know him, I know you, okay? Mm-hmm. So I know both of those. So, but I get it. But I get it. No, yeah, I there's so many on. others I love, too. And, you know, like um, the whole – when he left the E Street brand, uh, what was it? Um, uh uh, with Brilliant Disguise on it, One Step Up, and okay. w- what's the name of that album again? Tunnel of Love. Tunnel of Love, okay. Tunnel of Love, yeah. he, he, he played one song from that last yeah. night. He played yeah, one Brilliant song Disguise. from Nebraska. Now, listen, the guy's got, he's got about, yeah. what, 500 songs? Yeah, I've, but, said, I've, said, I've said you can't, my friend Jeremy Foley told me one time, you cannot complain about him not singing a song because he's got too many. He's, he's got too many. Yeah, yeah so but uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I, yeah, have a great time out there. I was considering it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit this one out. All right, what's coming up tonight? What are we doing? Man, we are packed. We are ready to go. I got a couple of interesting topics I want to throw out, some things that kind of hit me today. One got me sideways, which uh, and it almost fooled me, so I'm going to see what the listeners think about that. And uh, the latest from the Senior Bowl, we got some more around the NFL. It's, um, it's really interesting right now just to, to get a gauge of, uh, of all the complaining that's going on all across the league. I mean, Carolina players are apparently unhappy with Frank Reich out in Arizona. I guess they can't really get a candidate they love because no one wants to deal with Kyler Murray. It's, you know, this is usually stuff you hear in the NBA, not typically in the NFL. So we're going to take a, uh, an awful deep look into that coming up tonight as well. Sounds good. Thank you, Rick. All right, see you, Frank. By the way, his point about Frank Reich, there's no Carolina Panthers that can't, to Rick's point, it's not they can't like Frank Reich yet. They just met him. They're probably upset Wilkes didn't get the job. I think that's what it is. A lot of, pe- a lot of players really res- really liked and respected Wilkes and didn't get the job. But Rick makes a good point. You don't see that in the NFL very often. So uh, It's going to be real similar to the challenge Doug Peterson had when he got to Jacksonville because these Jaguars loved Urban Meyer. Well, they were very upset. <laughs> there's, no, there's no question. Folks, that'll do it for our program. And don't go anywhere. Rick Palugo's into the night right now. Of course, on our AM tonight, you will hear – uh, the River City Rumble, JU and UNF getting together. That's on 10, 10 a.m. Uh, the tip is at 7 o'clock. We're out of here. Thanks for being part of our program. Good to have you with us. Tomorrow back in studio, same bad time, same bad channel. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Franz. You have a great night.